We're gathered here today in remembrance of the damaged package sent by Cajun Spice. Although it was a life short-lived, it was glorious and spectacular. A life so short, it's as though we never knew you. We would pour one out in their package's honor, but the delivery person already poured all of you out. But I mean all, all four Sixers and several locals only can only get in southern Louisiana. That's 30 unread beer labels. And you know, you know how long it takes to pour out 30 plus cans of beer and ruin the specialty glassware? And to destroy all that delicious alligator jerky. This is a national tragedy. A trail show national tragedy. I just get like jerky too. I mean, you could have just set the jerky in like a sixer. Oh I mean, come on. We hope you are up there in beer heaven somewhere. Getting all the angels drunk as a skunk. Disco. <clears throat> can, we, can we please just, just start the freaking show, man? Please. You're tuned to the trail show. Get on the trail. Long time listener, first time caller. Arriba, 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 tota. It's the trail show. Bam! Ah! Featuring Lawton Disco Grinter. Never slap a man who's chewing tobacco. Felicia P.O.D. Hermosillo. I'm against historical trash. Mike Dilo DiLorenzo. Embrace the brutality. Junaid Special 41 Daoud. And I can't help but think that you know, trail show bump. Daniel Out of Order Alvarez. What's up, Trail Show? And now broadcasting live from Boulder, Colorado, it's the Trail Show. Wow, you guys, you guys included me. <laughs> we updated the promo. I feel so special. <laughs> no, that's someone else. Coming to you live. I'm special. Bobby Walter Studio in Arvada, Colorado's historic beer district. This is the Trail Show. We are once again at our Jefferson County telecasting complex ladies and gentlemen trail show is a monthly mashup of all things trail and has been downloaded over three quarters of a million times in 150 plus countries across the globe we are on air on demand and heard worldwide on the apple podcast app stitcher google play and at thetrailshow.com ladies and gentlemen they were taping a special across the hall here to talk to us about their fall jaunt on the oregon desert trail Former trail show guest, Whitney Algood LaRufa. Hello, hello. And, and Katie Salty Gerber. Salty. Salty. Shake it if you got it. So, <laughs> salt shaker. You know. right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We okay. last featured the Oregon Desert Trail on the trail show way back in June of 2013. Wow. On it's episode been that 13. Long. Whoa. Whoa. That was five and a half years ago, and we know a lot has changed since then, so thanks for guesting with us tonight, bringing us up to speed on the Oregon Desert Trail. Thanks. Who who guested last time that you uh, did the ODT? Was it... uh... We got some information from ONDA, and Uh we we basically just relayed it. We didn't have anyone on the show that had actually, like, hiked the trail. We just kind of... This was back when we used to do Trail of the Month at the end of the show, when we were, like, weighing our cups... Gotcha. So <laughs> nobody got anything, any beneficial info about the ODT then anyway. All right. So great. Yeah. Well, hopefully this one's better. <laughs> All right, Beauty. Let's set the table. Before we set the table, let me tell you about our sponsors for tonight. Yeah. 
Uh, first of all, our, our show is sponsored by Six Moon Designs. At Six Moon Designs, our philosophy is to offer lightweight, high-quality, affordable equipment to help in pursuing your outdoor endeavors. We believe gear should aid one's experience and not define it. That is why all of our products are priced to be affordable by everyone. We believe the world would be a better place if people spent more time outside exploring nature and the world. With award-winning shelters from tarps to tents and a variety of backpacks designed for ultra running, through hiking, pack rafting, and more, you can see their entire lineup at www.sixmoondesigns.com. Six Moon Designs. Go wild. Live young. Yeah. Woo. All good. You have uh, ch- actually changed jobs since you were last on the show, and you had you yeah, now. I've changed a lot of things since I was last on this show. I think, and you're now affiliated with Six Moon Designs, correct? I am now the national sales and marketing manager at Six Moon Designs, wow. and, um, wow. and Ron Moak's uh, budding protege in learning to design gear. Oh, Does very he have cool. you do some sort of like wax on, wax off thing? What's the equivalent of that? Uh, he made me disassemble like? a backpack with a razor blade and a seam ripper last week. So <laughs> I guess it's kind of similar. Uh, that's good. Did you have to put it back together with like dental floss and, next a, week. and a needle? Well, that's folded. next week. <laughs> All right, Peody, what are we uh... We got another sponsor, too. What? Yeah, we got two. Come on. Yes. How's Has that, that possible? ever happened? Yes. Never. Maybe. I don't know. This <laughs> month's show is also sponsored by John Carr Photography. Yeah. Yeah. Biggie. That's right. Landscapes, portraits, boudoir, all of your photography needs. You can go to John Photography. And it, that is car with two R's. Spell it. J O H N C A R R dot photography. Yes. Okay. Very all good. Right. Just, just checking. That's a, I didn't know there was dot photography domains. There That's are, a, apparently. So man, oh. I'm out of. The, I'm so yeah, out they, of the they loop. opened it up a while back so that you can have yeah. like a bunch more besides just the .com and .net and See, .gov or whatever. I, I thought it was .com and .org, and that was all you were ever allowed to possibly no, have. .edu. And we're actually in the uh, the uh, John Carr Telecast Studio. What about .trail show? Can we do .trail show? Maybe .trail show .trail show. <laughs> That would be pretty great, and we're because be then you could send your emails to trailshow at trailshow dot trailshow. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going like to be it. doing a photo shoot tonight, so pretty excited. Oh, for that. get ready, people! <clears throat> Boudoir. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Boudoir. Yeah. You guys all brought your lace underwear, right, Dilo? Yes. I, I don't wear Always. underwear. I don't so get out of Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You don't we're get out Oh, and all gets here. We could do a whole bunch of hair sweaters. All four oh, of you sure guys. Oh, could. Yeah. Give a back off to you. I'm not really hairy. No, you're not. Okay. Well, three of you. Blonde man, you know. Three of you. What if you don't wear underwear? Yeah, I'm, well, I'm, it's even more. Ditto. It's easier. I mean, I, I'm not t- speaking for myself. I'm easier. Just, okay. All right. What? So, what are we actually going to talk about other than boudoir? Okay. And, uh, so, we got a lot going on tonight. We've got yeah. uh, well, we've got our trail of the month, the ODT, and then we're also going to be skyping in Shira with uh, ONDA. So that'll kind of tie together. And we've got audio clips from Moon Kid from right. her Odyssey. Oh, they just uh, got on planes and went back. Yeah, it's all in the clip. Sorry, I just jumped my own yep. segment. That's all right. <laughs> We've got a trail tip and a gear giveaway contest. Ooh. Yeah, we've got a bunch of questions for hikers <laughs> and salties. And we've got some mailbag. And, uh, you know, oh, we have immediate, We have two media reviews tonight. So we're going to be... Wait, sca- there's two? There's two, two baby. Yep. We're going to do a movie media review, and then we're going to be reviewing Swami's new book. Yeah. 
Get ready. Ooh. Special. I hope you've you've prepared for that, right? We assigned you with both those. Well, I watched I watched the movie, but I I didn't have You didn't read to his book. entire book? You can flip through oh. it during the break. Is That's it volume it. one or volume two? Volume two. What is no. this like a four hundred awesome. page tome here we have to uh yes. read and it's a lot next. of pictures. We shall read from the book of Swami. Yeah. It's a <laughs> lot of pictures. Yeah, he put a lot of pictures for people like me. <laughs> I mean I've seen it, but I haven't had a chance to like actually I haven't study. had it in my possession to, to be it. able to flip through study it. Study the leisure. word. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, we got a lot going on. It's going to be great. And we've got two voyeurs tonight, too. So that's exciting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who's voying? <laughs> Who's voying? We got, we got Bigfoot over there and we got Zool. Hey, yeah. Hey. Hey. What, what, what? They're going to help us drink all late. of this insane beer that we have. We had to call in reinforcements. That's right. <clears throat> we should talk about beer. Even though this is. Mike DiLorenzo's Beer of the Month. P.O.D., we've got some amends to make. Yes. Can you talk yeah. to about, like, wh- what the hell has happened? Yeah, this, well, we, we got some accounting <clears throat> to do. I, yeah. I, I have to be honest that I'm not always good with the details sometimes. I get What? Yes. What? Well, I think admitting that you have a problem is the first step. It is. It is the first step. So, um, it turns out I made a mistake on tonight's sheet, too, but that's okay, because we're catching it before it goes live. Um, so, when we recorded the December and January show in December, I thought the beer was from Cajun Spice, because I knew he had gonna, he was going to send a package. It showed up to Out of Order's house. There was no name on it, and so I was like, oh, it must be the Cajun Spice beer. And then after we recorded the show, he emailed me and was like, oh, hey, I just sent that beer. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting. <laughs> Time Warp uh, beer. So yeah. it the the beer that we had on the December and January shows the really really awesome <clears throat> red hair beer that All was the rabbit based yes yeah. name the fifty fifty the, oh, the yeah. IPAs yeah. Those, those things that were like yes. a do you remember those in a picture do, with yeah. a straw and we went on and on and on about yeah. them and we kept thinking Cajun spice <laughs> and we weren't even like joking or right. like putting it on you no know? it no, was so really good. Were good they were so good uh, those were actually from Stephen Goodrich. So Stephen Goodrich, Stephen Goodrich, we owe you so much thanks. I know. Thank you, and and uh, our bad. Yes. So I actually reached out to him, and he was uh, very gracious and accepted my apology, and said it's eh, it's no big deal. I just wanted you guys to have some beer. So we we uh, we'll name one of the mic stands after you. Disco's is that's the Stephen Goodrich mic stand over there. Um, <clears throat> anyway, and the funny thing is that Cajun Spice did send beer this month, but it didn't make it. Hence <laughs> the opening. Which oh. It's not funny, actually, because no, it was an insane really package. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sad. We, it was very sad. It is, so yeah. thank you, <laughs> Stephen Goodrich, for the, 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 uh, the beer from before that was amazing, the red hair beer. And thank you, Cajun Spice, for... The beer that never made it. And especially glassware and the alligator jerk. Just so you know, Cajun Spice, POD harassed me for like two weeks. Almost had me interrogating my roommates to see if they had stolen it somehow. No, I didn't think your roommates stole it. Well, tracked it down. And the specialty glassware, correct me if I'm mistaken, but this was like like actual glasses for us, right? Like pint glass and glass type stuff. Yeah. What a disaster. Yeah, it wasn't pipes. It was, yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, there was one for D-Lo, I'm sure. Yeah, there was bongs. Not pipes, but bongs. Yeah. Yeah. Glass. 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 Tilo can make anything into a bong. So, (laughs) BOD, correct me if I'm wrong, but there are other people mentioned in regards to the messed up beer than Stephen Goodrich and Cajun Spice. From the last show? I don't know. No. On on your show sheet. So, tonight we have beer from Daniel Hugely. 
Yes. Or hugely. hugely. I want to call him hugely. I no, like we're, that. We're going to call okay. him hugely. Yeah. Hugely. And so he sent Very all the bombers. Hugely. And those came from California. Yes. Okay. And we've already had some. Yeah, the Brute IPA deal and I just uh, yep. Oh. Yep. knocked yep. out and the And Biggie bomber. had the, uh, the, the uh, stout last night. Oh, yeah. That was really good, too. Yeah. His eyes just got wide when she said that. <laughs> Stout. <laughs> so he sent the bombers, and those are in the cooler. The bombers are from Hugely. The huge beers are from Hugely. Oh, oh, I like the beer pun. Uh-huh. Yes. And then Not Tim Tebow sent Tebow. the Virginia beers. So all the cans and the crowler. But isn't there another name on your show sheet in regards to the beer? No. There is a fifth name. Agent <laughs> Spice. Stephen Goodrich, Daniel Hugely, Tebow. Mm. There was another guy who sent us beers the, during the last taping, but we thanked him. Okay, so we're like we're we're back to even keel yes. now. We're ba- everything's right with the world again. Yes, all yep. the beers been accounted for. We've given thanks and praise. Yes, yep. and, <coughs> and, and we've also instituted a, a new beer delivery tracking system, <laughs> where where Pod <laughs> actually has to keep track. Actually, oh. if only there was a trail show accountant. You guys really should have thought of that oh. at one time. I feel like there was an accountant you guys could have picked yes. up somewhere. I know. Remember we Should had we say his name? <laughs> no, Free no, 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 please. Okay. Don't. don't. No, I did actually I thought, make... I let's thought he was our lawyer. If you know math. <laughs> no, he was our lawyer. Reach out. Yeah, but he's an accountant. Yeah, but he's... Oh, okay. <laughs> Why did I always think he was our lawyer? Because we always said that. Well, we said huh. that, but okay. it wasn't true. Oh, I didn't realize We that. have a real lawyer now. Yeah, yeah. yeah legitimate. Certified, no, certified. <laughs> hey, did you pass the bar? I did. Yeah. And what about that character <laughs> thing? <laughs> I've passed the bar. I've passed the character and fitness part of the bar. Fitness? Fitness? Oh. fitness? You have to do like push-ups and pull-ups? Uh, you know, they, a three-mile run. That kind mental <laughs> mental <laughs> no. push-ups. Mental it's push-ups. just they would like to background check you and ask you where you lived everywhere. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, no, I'm an official member of the Colorado Bar now. So Whoa. in theory, oh. I can represent you, but I don't think my boss would appreciate that. But you Well, know. no, th- this That's would right. be like a side. But you, you side can help here. me out side with like some, uh, some paperwork here and there, right? And, and by yeah. side, side hustle, we're looking for like pro bono kind of stuff. So I hope that's okay. Yeah if, yeah, if you guys have any Clean Air Act <laughs> litigation you want to go forward uh, with, that was, we'll know. have to talk to <laughs> D'Lo about that. Yeah. He's, he's the one following up the air with his bong over there. And with all the news is fit to be heard, Special 41, take it away. Greetings, listeners. All right, so uh, we've got a few different items here. Some of them are pretty quick, so we'll breeze right through them. Uh, I just wanted to put out there real quickly that... Uh, the PCTA's um, photo contest is still open. I think this is going to end at like the end of February. So if you're into that sort of thing, you might want to uh, go ahead and submit some photos. They got like different categories for uh, submissions. So go ahead and check out the PCTA.org and, and uh, you'll see that. While, while you're there, um, I actually saw this cool story, uh, the inside story of the making of the new PCT Northern Terminus Monument, and, and it's like an article on uh, the PCTA blog, um, but it's it's kind of cool, actually. Blog. Um, so maybe, ch- maybe check that out hey, while, while you're over there. Can I say one thing yeah. on yeah. that? Yeah. So um, last spring, I got contacted uh-huh. about that project from uh, a guy, and I wound up, Chris Kunkel, the bear, and I wound up getting all the wood donated from my buddy's lumber company to replace that northern terminus for for the piece. Oh, oh really? That's yeah. cool. Ah, nice. I used my old lumber world connections being uh, <laughs> reached back and Well, they didn't put that in the article. 
Uh, I, I was mentioned in a in a print article. Oh, nice. nice. I, oh, yeah. I, did, I didn't. I didn't notice it. It's okay. It's no big deal. Okay. It's probably on the second page. I was happy yeah. to do it. Um, also, uh, Chris Calico. Yeah. Oh, way. B- we're talking like four years ago. Socks. <laughs> All right. Sorry. <laughs> Special, please. <laughs> uh, so it's tax season. Um, and if you have never used H&R Block before and you're going to go that route, uh, go by the PCTA's thing first and you can get the... Uh, what? Yeah, so they've got this deal with H&R Block that if you're a new user, um, you can scan this little code uh, and H&R Block will give PCTA $20. Really? Yes. Only for new users of H&R Block. Um, but right. Yeah, I saw that and I was like, that's actually kind of a cool way to... Well, that just seems like a natural synergy there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, you know, nonprofits got they they, they got to make things work. That's so, right. Yeah, true. I'm not it's gonna true. I'm not gonna judge them for for trying to get a few bucks out of H and R Block. And if H and R Block's giving up some cash to some nonprofits, like I guess <laughs> be on the lookout for whatever scandals propped in propped in that. <laughs> What the hell is going on? Uh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, Special. I know you're trying to do your news segment. I know. But there's this some is serious, serious stuff, man. There's shenanigans going on off mic. Sorry, please. I, I think I actually there's just... Let, let me, the let mic, me whack so too. That's my bad. All right. All right. We're good. Me neither. Fine, man. I, I need a glass, right too. I've been ramming a tall boy. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Have you? I have been I mean, over here. That's interesting, but if you could save that for our new segment, Trail Confessions, it's coming up a little later. I'm trying to do the news. Sorry. Did you whack the tubes already? Yeah. yeah. Maybe I should whack yeah. them again. That's There's a good idea. too much whacking going on already. All right. So uh, there was a three year old boy, um, Casey Hathaway, uh, and he was lost in the woods for two days. Overnight temperatures were like below freezing. Uh, and this kid was found crying but safe, entangled in a patch of thorny bushes, according to the article. Ugh. Wow, sounds like hiking so, the TA in New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> Especially the crying. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the kid uh, apparently told the rescuers and authorities um, that he was able to survive with the help of a bear. Uh, a bear had, like, befriended him and, like, uh, kept him safe uh, through, through the nights or whatever. Huh. Now, he also repeated this to his, like, his, uh, his parents or whatever. Unfortunately, you know, there's no corroborating evidence, and all of these bear people and, like, psychologists are saying, like, oh, well, he, like, fantasized it or whatever. But I'm just going to, I'm going to say right here, right now, they don't have any proof that this kid made it up. They think he did. That's true. They think he <laughs> did. And the article that I read very clearly had a slant to get the, against this kid. Okay. I'm Fake saying, news, man. I'm saying we news. need to maybe listen to this kid yeah. because this maybe it's the first ever in all of recorded history throughout the entire world, the first case of a bear coming to the aid of a small child. Maybe no. it was all good. So, <clears throat> all good doesn't buy it. So all like, good no, man, Maggie Simpson, she was rescued by a bear. Yeah, he- so like instead of eating the child, <laughs> the bear helped the child. Well, I think there's yeah. also the oh, possibility that, 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 you know, uh, that everybody's just not really understanding what the kid's talking about and that it was just like a large, hairy, gay gentleman that kept this kid safe for a couple of evenings. Why does he and have to that, be gay? Because <laughs> it's, it's the terminology bear, bear. It's like a big, hairy... This, oh, okay. This is actually... A, it's a bad joke. I'm making a bad joke. A terrible okay. joke. <laughs> Jesus. And then <laughs> I, I had to explain that. it, make it, it even worse. <laughs> 
Good thing we didn't do our joke hour this time, because that one would have fallen flat. Man, I'm tra- to cut trail news out. is just going all the way <laughs> off the rails. Okay, let's time. keep going. <clears throat> okay. Oh, wow. Uh, so time for the FKTs of the year. And, yeah, the uh, FKTs of the year. I, oh, I, I, know I hope this is that fast trail news. <laughs> Listen, I know that some folks are not real into the FKTs, and I get that. Go me. ahead and tune out for, for a minute. <laughs> Definitely not me. Um, I, I just think that it's pretty cool that this year uh, a lot of the big FKTs were on, like, distance trails and, like, backpacking trails. And they weren't on, like, yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> but, they were all, but they were all some pretty impressive ones, uh, it, you know, ones including uh, the Nolan's 14 route. Uh, there were ones on the Rim to Rim to Rim, uh, the Appalachian Trail, the John Muir Trail. Uh, so there were a lot of cool things out there um, taking place on the long trails. If you're into the idea of like trying to do them fast, which I think is is neat. Aren't you getting ready for a Nolan's 14 attempt this year special? I, I, I kind of want to go and do the route, but I'm not going to try to attempt it as a 60 hours or less thing because I think yeah. I would probably hurt myself. Yeah, a lot um, of people do <coughs> hurt themselves on that. Yeah, because it's dangerous. I mean, I've I've done the whole the whole segment, of course, w- as part Obviously, of fourteeners yeah. through hike. But you know, I think it would be fun to to what? try to do it like reasonably fast. But I I'm, I I don't think I'm capable of sixty hours on that thing for the for the Even trail if show. I was training and like tr- like had everything dialed. I I just don't know if I got sixty hours in me for that kind of thing. For the trail show it. nation, definitely not me, but. For the Trails for Nation, what what is the Nolan? <laughs> oh right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nolan's fourteen is just said. Uh, there's fourteen um, fourteen thousand foot peaks in the Sawatch uh, Range here in Colorado, and the idea is that you do. They're they're basically it's about a hundred miles of of travel between all of them, uh, and you do each one of them um, in sixty hours or less. As a continuous oh. hike, right? Yeah, yeah, like as a continuous deal. So, all right, nice. Uh, and it's it's kind of yeah, thank you because it is obscure. <laughs> like people don't really probably actually know about it that much. Uh, but in Colorado and uh, amongst people who are into fourteeners things, uh, it's it's kind of a, a cool <coughs> thing. Anyway, onwards to the next thing. Another record this time in Antarctica. Uh, Colin O'Brady uh, completed a Antarctic crossing, um, and it's kind of cool. So, I mean, not for the other guy, but uh, he and another fellow started at like the exact same time, like the same day. Uh, but Colin uh, completed the trek 70 miles ahead of the other fellow. Um, so it's about a 900 and something miles. Uh, and it's essentially like the shortest route that you can use to connect uh, one end of or one edge of Antarctica with the pole and then down to another edge. Uh, basically the uh, finishing on the Ross ice shelf. Anyway, pretty cool. If you're into the Antarctic crossings, done it. Yeah, we. Everybody <laughs> I know. I mean, you we do all that. Are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're totally into Antarctica on the trail show. It was great. <laughs> they had to do it completely solo. So when they got to the South Pole, no one there could help them. They were afraid to like even take like a handshake almost. Yeah, <laughs> it was, it was yeah. A like wild interference story. with yeah. with some of these polar things is uh-huh. like the, any possible <clears throat> appearance of of help or whatever they're like no can't do it well we watched that movie about those kiwis that did it and they they had no experience they had no experience and really they were they didn't really have enough food to turn around but they did anyway (laughs) they made it but it was they showed that point where they get to the (laughs) actual marker and the building is right there you know they could just go inside station and they just turn around start going the other way 
A friend Ouch. of ours. That's hardcore. A friend of ours has worked at South Pole Station like what fourteen years in yeah. a row. Wow. Yeah. Up next, uh, so the ultra pedestrians. Um, if you're Ooh, familiar with the, uh, the the hiking power duo or whatever you would maybe call them, power duo. Uh, they did Ross this. Uh, they did this big huge um, loop where they connected. Like the PNT, the PCT, the CDT, the uh, Oregon Desert Trail. I think a couple Ooh. of other little pieces of some other stuff in there. Um, and if you look at it, look at it as a map of like the Northwest. It's just this beautiful, huge oval that goes all the way around the the, the Pacific Northwest. Yes. Well, and inland to the Rockies, I too, I guess. And it's twenty six hundred yeah, miles, right? Yeah, it's huge. Uh, and they went ahead and and uh, and banged it out. And um, <laughs> did they now? Yeah. <laughs> cool. It's. I mean, sounds like a great hike. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, you, I mean, I think people are probably familiar with most of the uh, the trails that made up the loop. Um, but for anybody looking to do a, a gigantic and pretty awesome looking loop, and no um, shuttle. For your car, yeah, car yeah. Car. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that alone is worth just, it. Yeah, yeah, totally. You could just leave your car in one spot for like four months. Yeah, yeah. yeah. just Sweet. you know, make sure you take the uh, battery terminal off so the charge when you get back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. good to go. Very cool. Congrats. Uh, all right, so we're gonna talk for a moment about the government shutdown. Oh, yeah. oh I know. So. I just really like to point out that if you're into the public lands and national parks and uh, all of those areas that we recreate, um, this government shutdown really did impact some of those areas, and some of them really not well. There were a lot of reports uh, of various parks. Um, you know, I've I've pulled up one about Yosemite, but there were ones for uh, you know Rocky Mountain. Um, Joshua there was Tree. Joshua Tree. There were people that cut down Joshua trees to go ride their four wheelers or off road around the park. You know, they cut down the trees, but they also went and ripped up some of the soil out there. So there has been over twenty miles of uh, of like tracks that the uh, park service has already had to go out and try to repair. And when and we talk about like these desert soils, we're talking about like cryptobiotic or like living soil crusts. <coughs> so you know, I I would just like to point out that. Uh, that there's a reason that we have these government services and that we have managers and people that work these parks, that, that maintain these parks, that protect these parks in these lands. And, and when we send them packing, uh, you know, they don't just lose out, but we do too. So I, I'm just going to say, you know, if you're into the outdoors, go ahead and suck it up and admit that the government has a purpose when it comes to protecting our public lands and support those. You can be against everything else if you want to be, but I, I don't want to hear anything ever again about people saying, oh, well, the, the government can't do anything. They can't even... Look what happens when we send rangers home for a couple of weeks. Yahoos get in there and trash everything. And let's not even talk so, about the toilets. Yeah, the toilets. Yeah, yeah. the toilets. So, so I... You know, like that alone. Next, that alone. Next time, <laughs> yeah. next time you go to a to a, a park that was affected by or a public land that was affected by the shutdown, if you see anybody that's working there, be sure to tell them thank you, and be sure when it comes to time to vote that that you're thinking about those people and the crap that they've been put through in the service of your public lands. Preach. Preach. <laughs> Preach. All right. Excellent. Was that trail news or trail preaching? 
It was a little bit of both, oh, but good, I mean, good. I think That's we, fun. Yeah. I think we know. I don't shy away from trail preaching from uh, conflict. <laughs> well, you know, I, I mean, our public lands matter. They of really, course. really do. Yeah, and, I agree. and to see this kind of like misuse and abuse and and whatnot is it's 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 hurtful. Yeah, it makes you hate um, people. And weren't you personally affected? Didn't you try to go to White Sands National I'm, Park? I was going to talk about that. Okay, trips. I I, I don't yeah. want to steal your thunder. Yeah, so yeah. I, 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 I will okay. talk about done. that during trips because it's already stolen. But no, already no, we'll st- cut that out. Pulled the rug out from underneath. <laughs> we'll, we'll cut it out. <laughs> all right. Like so now, now that we're all wound up after after that, yeah. um, we Woo! we can we can yeah. go back Pitchforks. to. Uh, <sighs> there was a <sighs> intense study. nasal breathing. Can I get some tubes here? For God's oh, sakes, people. Tubes. All right. <laughs> um, so in happier news, uh, you should go ahead and, and um, get that prescription for nature walking because uh, just six months of oh, walking yeah. may reverse cognitive decline, according to a new study. Oh, there's hope for you all good. There sure is. Yeah. So if you're, uh, if you're starting to slip, maybe you can't <laughs> remember things so much anymore, you know. Uh, whatever it is that uh, marks your <laughs> cognitive decline, maybe you've got a, a history of, of Alzheimer's in your family. Um, or other things. Ma- maybe if you find a sympathetic doctor, you can find a way to get yourself a, uh, a, a, a pres- prescription for walking in order to, uh, to assuage your cognitive decline. Just throwing it out there. Oh, um, I have to talk about this one. Um, Wow, this is just going and going, isn't I it? I told you that I had a lot of trail news, and I'm trying to go fast. It's like the Energizer Bunny. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, P.O.D., I think you sent me this one. Um, this deer poacher who has <laughs> apparently killed like oh. literally like hundreds of animals, and this dude was just like killing trophy bucks and stuff like that and taking their heads and then like, uh-huh. la- leaving the rest. So it's not like he was poaching but making good use or something no poach like all these animals he he's, needs to be he's gonna be uh spending the next year in jail and <laughs> once a month at least he is gonna have to watch bambi no yes that's part <laughs> of the that's, sentence that's part of the sentence the judge the judge said that that he has to at least once a month watch bambi He'd probably like classic. it though. You what know, like, state? What state but is it? But wait, this? there's more to the story than just that. He killed a bunch of bears. Y- yeah, I mean, he's he, like this dude poached a lot. Okay, he's spending a year in prison. Okay, so to get a year in prison for for poaching is yeah. is, is, is actually kind of tough, right? Like if you, it's a big fine. Maybe you spend like thirty days in jail for like a normal poaching thing. But I mean, he, a year in jail is a long time. So sure yeah, is. but it, the article talked about like hundreds of of deer. Well, um, and the main thing is that he, so he and his son, uh, found a sleeping, uh, ha- a sleeping bear in a in a cave, basically, mm-hmm. and she had cubs, and they were winter sleeping, and they they killed her while she was sleeping, and the cubs came running out, and then they killed all the cubs too. Yeah. And the thing is, is that oh there was a God. camera in the cave because she had tags like that. It was a bear oh. that they were monitoring, right? So they have it all on video. And then the, these guys were like, oh, no, we, we didn't do that. Oh, yeah, we did do that. Oh, no, there, there weren't any cubs. We didn't know there were cubs. And they're like, well, we actually have video of you, like, slaughtering the cubs. Yeah, and it's, and it's not just him. It's, it's his him, his father, two brothers, and another man who all, yeah. who all did it. Damn. And um, they each have to pay nine grand, I think. Yeah. The, which isn't uh, enough. $51,000 total in, in fines and court costs. And, That's it. and some of them are not actually even, like, going to jail. Uh, some of them are getting, like, 
um, temporary ro- uh, revoking of their uh, hunting and fishing and trapping but the guy privileges. Who's going to jail, he's which gonna I feel like you, you know, if you do something like that, you should probably just never forever. Again. They should have let those guys have like a Hunger Games. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. The guy who wins that gets the year in jail. Everyone else is dead. That would have been a way more interesting <laughs> sentence than just Bambi once a month. I yeah. like it. Oh, my God. They're into killing well, things. Well, you've got go my vote for county judge. <laughs> the most dangerous game, right? Exactly. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm almost done, I swear. Uh, this was kind of a fun one. Uh, an article in Rock and Ice magazine about uh, a group of an, um, indigenous Bolivian women who summited um, Aconcagua in their traditional um, like dress. That's a 22,000 foot peak, right? Yeah. 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 And they've got like, you know, like kind of those big those baggy skirts, skirts uh-huh. and yeah. like the blouses or whatever. And yeah, they just cruised on up and climbed climb that mountain. Put on some crampons um, and that's in that's go. Great. shoes. Yeah. yeah uh, I think Gosh. it was the end of January. So it literally just happened a couple of days ago. That's I think. awesome. That's wow. Rad. Um, but they're like 42 to 50 um, uh, in age. Uh, and, you know, they did, they've worked as like porters and cooks and stuff for mountain camps. So like, it's not, it's not like they were living down below and then just, oh, you know what we should do. I mean, like they're, they live in the mountains. This is like their, their area, but they went ahead and, and went to the top. Yeah. Wow. I love it. I thought that was a pretty cool story. That's awesome. Um, and we actually talked about it for a moment already, but, uh, her Odyssey have traveled uh, south again. Uh, they've they've concluded their uh, rest and relaxation and staging um, in, in like their off season, and now they're down there making their final preparations, putting their boats together, and getting ready to push off. So uh, I wanted to end trail news on that and wish them good luck in their preparations and on the beginning of their the next stage of their journey. Excellent. And there he goes, ladies and gentlemen. Special 41. He just ran out the door. Wow. And he's now he's Gone. back. Oh, he's, he's back, back, baby. <laughs> All right. I think we've got a conservation interview coming up, POD. Yeah, we've got uh we got some we got about 10 minutes though. Do you want to Trips. Can we can we do trips in 10 minutes? Yes. Let's do it. I love it. Let's this will be a challenge because okay. we've got Seven people. This is going to be the FKT so got, for trail trips, guys. Woo. Okay. So, so you've got everyone has a minute and a half tops to talk about their trip. POD, go. I've been really sick with the bubonic plague, so I haven't gone many places. But I did go to Mexico for Christmas, and I walked on the beach a lot, and I saw a ton of blue bottles, and they were beautiful. I also went to Mexico for Christmas because I was with POD. Yeah. And we did a an incredible short day hike to Canyon de la Zorra. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was about it was only about a three k round trip, so we're talking a really short day hike. However, the hike ended at this nice, lovely pool with a thirty foot waterfall coming right down into it. One minute left, and you could swim. You That's could amazing. swim around. I put goggles on. There were fish in the bottom. Mm. It looked like Arizona, but with a big waterfall and a lovely pool. And we hiked there, and it was. Hermoso. 30 it, seconds left. This was like Christmas Day. Yeah. It was about 75 <laughs> degrees. It was sunny. There was no polar vortex. It was wonderful. Dilo, over to you. I went to New York City and did some urban hiking. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. My family and I got off the train in Grand Central Station where my son posed with the military guards and their yeah. automatic weapons, which was fantastic for him. That was a good photo. It was a good photo. And then Five we hiked left. we hiked <laughs> 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 we hiked ten blocks north 
to my sister-in-law's office, where we walked 45 flights of stairs up to her office. Just kidding. We took the elevator. (laughs) And then we looked out upon the the midtown scene, and it was beautiful. And then we went out to lunch. And then we walked the 10 blocks back to Grand Central Station with a stop at the Lego store. And then from there, we took the train back. Nice. Is that it? Yeah, that's it. Okay. Urban hiking. Triple O, over to you. Uh, I just went to Florida. I helped cook an entire pig on a grill. Yeah. And I also set myself on fire doing it. So that was was it. I'm out of time. No, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute. Did you sustain any burns? Uh, I just lost all the hair on my left arm (laughs) and a little bit of my left eyebrow. That's a lot of hair. (laughs) That is a lot of hair. Wow. That smells terrible. When you first flip the pig, you have to be a little careful because a lot of grease builds up. Mm. Trail tip. (laughs) Trail tip. tip. Special over to you. Uh, I was down in New Mexico for about a week uh, doing some work. Uh, You know, I took all my photography equipment down there uh, hoping to... Do a little bit of night photography out at the sand dunes at White, White Sands. Sands. But, you know, government shutdown. Hashtag mm-hmm. Trump shutdown. Mm-hmm. All right, Salty. <laughs> what have you been up to? I've been doing a lot of hiking near Salida. So I went to some cave mines, which were awesome. And then also hiking up to some frozen lakes, yeah. which has also been awesome. What kind of frozen lakes? Pretty frozen lakes. Yeah. <laughs> Beauti- <laughs> beautiful ones. Were you on snowshoes? <laughs> like in low spots. Uh, oh, like near Monarch uh, Pass. Um, okay. Yeah. Were so you on snowshoes? I don't like snowshoes. So I hike mm. up. Sometimes I can get to the lake, but sometimes I just get as far as I can until I keep uh, post holing, like for a while until I'm too tired, and then I turn around and go back. Cool. Oh, that's some good training. And why yeah. have you been hiking around Salida? <laughs> because I live there. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you sucked me in. That's right. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, it's not too bad, right? I love it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All good. What have you been up to? Uh, well, I came out to Denver this week. And so today, because I had some time to kill, Salt and I went and had a lovely breakfast at Annie's Cafe. Ooh. Hey, now. And then we went over to the Denver Nature and Science Museum, oh. Ooh. Yeah, where we spent four and a half hours exploring uh, the wonders of Colorado from gens- gems to dinosaurs. I can't believe you guys went there. We, <coughs> we've never been they there. They have a crazy collection Dilo, of dead there. animals. I have a membership. <laughs> yeah. oh. That gem exhibit is pretty extensive too. It's impressive. oh yeah, no, it was I don't know, salty two hours in gems. Oh yeah, at yeah. least yeah, there's a lot of rock looking. Yeah, today. so oh, that's, that's been my big trip. Yikes! And yeah. now I'm here with you. Excellent. I think I think that is a new record for trips. Wow, that was five minutes. Wow, well, seven people, five minutes. You know, ten thousand trips. You know that actually, <laughs> there's there maybe maybe we could learn something from that. The yeah. trail show might not need to be as long as it always is. <laughs> no, because no, no, then people can't walk as Blast far me. listening to it. Yeah, people like it. Yeah, yeah. people hike and need the time. But maybe it goes... Y- maybe you know, if they're not long enough, we get hate mail. But what are we talking about? Like, if we could get the trips that quickly, yeah. when it normally takes, like, four times as long. <laughs> Dilo, well, Dilo, Dilo, what I think we, if we cut the trail show to only essential information, <laughs> it'd be 30 seconds. So, so people might not remember, but when we started the trail show six and a half years ago, the goal was to do each show in under an hour and a half. And we quickly threw that out the window because we realized, like, we just talk too much and then somehow it went from two hours to three hours and then once it gets above three hours we have to cut the shows in half because it's mm. it's like a joe rogan show or something it's crazy uh but Dilo, to your point yeah i think it is possible for us to do shorter shows i just think we never do that okay i'm just well i think i think <laughs> exactly. maybe maybe yeah. we need to have some personal reflection okay like some some 
alone time with ourselves. No, we just need the intern to keep an eye on the clock. Well, one thing I'd like to say is, you got to remember, you guys just had winter trips. I mean, in the spring and summer. That's true. You're a little bit more access to the outdoors. It's winter time, you're inside. Not allowed to talk about skiing. No, no, that's not okay. And when we we're first actually going to have to delete that yeah. part. Yeah. <laughs> when we first started doing the show, I actually was always trying to like taskmaster and like get the show going. You know, like let's move on, let's move on. And it was really stressful for me, and it was not good for Disco and I on the drive home afterwards. It turns out. Yep. So I eventually, <laughs> As it turns out, I eventually like let go. I stopped trying to hurry people. You let it go. I let it go. Let you were like, Elsa, let it go, let it go. Be and one with the wind. Dilo knows snow. that that whole soundtrack. You know who has kids in this group. <laughs> yeah, and as a result, it's a good movie. Okay. Yeah, there's no one like rushing us because I, I stopped okay. doing that. And 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 you know what? It's longer, but guess what? I have a better time. Okay, cool. Let's get into the audio <laughs> clip from Moon Kid. <laughs> well, no, we've got a conservation. I don't know. Do you sure yeah, we don't do want to talk about how, how we make the show shorter for like another five minutes or so? <laughs> <laughs> No, I say we get right into the audio clip from Moon Kid. How long is it? Two minutes? It's seven minutes. I'm. I, I'm I just told that. her we were ready. Okay. Oh. All right. Never mind. Before we start our conservation interview this evening, let's check in with the beer, Dilo. Yes, we have quite a few beers here that we have already drank. In my hand, we have just cracked the Messenger from Hugely Daniel. The Messenger is an ode to Southern California citrus. We combine locally grown yuzu and Buddha's hand citron with a healthy topping of citra, Eldorado, and Sabro to create a beer that is bright, sunny, and sure to deliver. And next, we have another beer. It is not from Hugely Daniel. It's it from is Tebow. The, it's from Tebow. It is the Minor Indiscretion Double India Pale Ale, brewed with vanilla and mandarina Bavaria, from the Ale Works Brewing Company in somewhere... <laughs> you know when I that saw was a good beer though. I don't know where this from, was a delicious was beer. Yeah. When I saw that, is there can, any left in that? Williamsburg, no. Virginia, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, my parents lived there. Yeah. When I saw that can and the name, it reminded me of a band I used to listen to in my youth called Minor Threat. Anybody? Any Minor Threat fans? No, in I we're not to reading that threat. one. Yeah, we're not I, reading yeah. that one. Like and now over here, no, in no, my no, 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 Dilo, please. And then I also <laughs> opened the uh, Blonde Honey. Which is the Belgian-style blonde ale brewed with honey and spices. This is the one that I was having a moment with while you were trying to do the news. Could you uh, read the beer label in full, please? Wait, is no. It is really that? good. I'm drinking no. it right now. Uh, you can have a sip of mine. I really like that, too, but I'd like to hear the beer label. Uh, unfiltered Belgian-style blonde ale with wheat and a lot of honey in every pour. Thanks. All right. right. From Williamsburg, Virginia? Um, no, this is from Nellysford. Nellysford, Virginia. Very nice. We have yep. a lot of Virginia beers here yeah. from Thibaut Daniel. Yep. Excellent. No, not his name's not his name is Tebow. <laughs> you see, Dilo, you're trying to mess up the beer again. I am. Yeah, we, I am. We got everything. Sorry, listeners. I know. It's a good thing we got that new labeled. system. We got yeah, it. Exactly. Oh, we also have this El Segundo, the the India Pale El Segundo, the Seco Brute IPA, which we had during dinner. Let's let's talk about the no, Brute IPAs later, because that that that's a conversation. That's a sore point having. for Dilo. It's a conversation worth having. I All thought right. it was good. Enough yeah. about the beer. We've got a All conservation. All right. Let's talk to she so we're calling in Woo. Renee Shira Patrick from the Oregon Natural Desert Association, better known as Onda. 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 And the reason <laughs> we're we're skyping in Shira tonight is because Onda is in charge of the Oregon Desert Trail, which is our trail of the month. Yep. So it all ties together, people. It all ties together. There's a theme on the rails. 
It all ties together, boy. She's one of our trail angels. Okay, let's call Shira right now. We might even play a prank on her. Oh, I love this song. I hope she doesn't answer. Oh, Hello. Like song. Shira? Yes, hi, trail show. What's up, hey. Shira? Kanda! Not so loud, P.O.D. Not Kanda. so loud. Kanda! So, Shira, it's disco. All good. Woo! Salty, Special 41, D-Lo, Triple O, and P.O.D. from the trail show. And How are you? And Zool and Biggie. How are you? Fantastic. You have, like, the pro lineup there tonight. <laughs> we got Ooh, a, something lined up. It, it, <laughs> it's a full house. And just real quickly, so Trail Show Nation knows, you are the Oregon Desert Trail Coordinator for the Oregon Natural Desert Association. Yes, that's right. Excellent. Well, we're featuring, as you probably know, we're featuring the Oregon Desert Trail again as our Trail of the Month. I don't know if you knew this, but we featured it five and a half years ago. And back in June of 13, and we didn't do it justice. So, and I'm sure a lot's changed. A yeah. lot has changed. So, yeah, glad to, to fill you in on more ODT and Onda. All right. Well, maybe just start by telling us, you know, a little bit about what you do as the ODT coordinator for Onda. <clears throat> sure. So, um, back in 2011, the idea came about to create a trail that connects all these high desert conservation priority areas. So through the, the intervening years, a, a route was developed. Um, and after I completed the CDT in 2015, I returned home to Bend, Oregon, to find they were hiring an Oregon Desert Trail Coordinator. So essentially, they needed someone who is experienced in through hiking, who knew how to make this trail a reality. So for me, that's been a real dream job. I get to get out there and spend a lot of time in the small tra trail towns we have, um, build support for the trail out there, talk to through hikers about it, like all good and salty, um, yeah. do lots of trail work. And really the whole idea is how can I engage the recreation community, the long distance hikers in taking a closer look at the conservation um, potential of the areas that we're hiking through. Is the Oregon Desert Trail entirely on public land? I would say it's almost entirely that we do have a few uh, easements in place and a few um, areas where we have permission or it's public access, like some of the dirt roads. People will hike out in Eastern Oregon. They're county roads, so open to public access. Um, but yeah, it's 100% open to hikers. How is um how's it been working with the public land agencies to you know try to get them on board with the idea of this what eight hundred mile trail through eastern Oregon? Yeah, it's actually been I've had a real positive experience. I work with um, four BLM districts, two Forest Service, two National Wildlife Refuges, and some state land. Um, but we have come in and helped provide some. Um, trail work and maintenance in places that had actually no record of trail maintenance. So some of these, the highlights of the high desert, like Steens Mountain, um, there was no oh, yeah. no known date of last trail the trail was maintained. <laughs> so we're making a big difference out there, and it's doing work that our agencies unfortunately don't have the manpower or the funding to do. Yeah, and I guess most recently 
maybe there wasn't anyone to work with during the government shutdown. How, how did that affect uh, what you're doing with the ODT? Yeah, well, fortunately, you know, some of my projects I'd already lined out, but um, at Onda, we do 30 to 40 different restoration projects a year. I'm just one small part of that. So I do about five trips. So my coworkers, this was the time that we planned for, you know, sage grass monitoring, fence retrofits to, you know, enable better wildlife migration corridors. And um, we do lots of riparian restoration. So a lot of that planning um, was on hold until, you know, just recently. I was curious how long you've been there and if you've seen any changes with the organization since you've been there and with the uh, kind of the uptick in the awareness of the, the ODT. Yeah, so it'll be just over three years. So I started um, 2015 right after I finished the CDT. So that helped my post-hike depression was to jump in and start uh, developing a new a new route. But yeah, I've actually been really pleasantly surprised that hikers are coming to us wanting to engage in conservation measures, which is fantastic. I thought that might be the case, but We've had people who are experienced um, wet meadow biologists come and want to help inventory on their hike. We've had um, a college student do a research project while he was out, you know, doing research while he was hiking. Um, So it's been fantastic to see people are really wanting to engage and understand public land issues on a deeper level. And what about as far as the ODT goes specifically, the the numbers of people getting out to section hike or through hike? I mean, have you seen a huge change since, you know, three years ago when you first started? It's been it's been a nice slow uptick. Um, You know, the thing about the ODT, as I'm sure y'all have talked about, it's not a complete trail. It's really a route that demands, you know, good skills, navigation, you need to carry large amounts of water. So it's really <laughs> something that doesn't appeal to maybe everyone out there um, as a through hike, but it is um, catching on with smaller section hikes and um, day trips. And so I'm really, you know, I think that's the case with a lot of our long distance trails. A small percentage of people will actually through hike. There's a far greater number of people who will head out for shorter trips. So I'm working on a revision of the ODT materials that'll be out later this spring. And it's a lot more information about access. Where do you park? How do you drive? How do you get to the section start? Um, More information on the skills, like what do you need for water um, navigation and terrain? So I'm rating all those. Um, So really trying to help people understand where they can go um, if they don't have, you know, that all that knowledge quite yet. And then how can you get that knowledge? So trying to do a lot around education, how can you hike a, right, a route and be successful? Let, hey, real but, quick, let's dive into the ODT materials. So are we talking about, like, do you all, can people get a map set from you all? Is it a data book, a guidebook? Mm-hmm. Like, what is it? What do you all offer prospective ODT hikers? Yeah, so it's it's all of the above. When I started in 2015, there was a map set and a guidebook Um, But the hikers that had hiked the previous year, Tomato, um, Shane, Mm. and Dirt, they had actually worked together to put together a data book. Shane said it took him six months to plan. So when I came in, I knew there was a (laughs) lot, 
<laughs> there was a lot I could do. So immediately I put, I used Shane's guidebook or data book and I, I like built it, including a water chart with historical water data. So people yeah. could see what, you know, what they were talking about with water. And then I, um, yeah, all the maps were individual PDF downloads. That was two, 200 plus PDFs you had to download. Um, so I immediately put them into one PDF <laughs> um, and just enhanced the guidebook, put together a town guide, um, started putting out trail registers on the trail, um, been enhancing the guidebook and the map set. Uh, two years ago, I put all the public land layers on the map. So as hikers yep. are traveling, they will see, oh, I'm in, you know, Diablo Rim Wilderness Study Area. And then I'm starting to define those areas in the guidebook. Well, what is so special about Diablo Rim Wilderness Study Area? What makes that particular area unique? And why, what are its wilderness qualities? So it's been a fun learning experience for me to dive into, you know, what is actually happening on our public lands? Who is managing them? What are they managed for? What makes them unique? And um, it's been really enlightening. What are the numbers right now? How many through hikers are you guys seeing maybe in 2018, 2017? It's been a, we had 10 last year and the year before we had six. Okay. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's steady. And I would say we have about two or 300 people out section hiking. Um, so it's, you know, when you get onto the, onto website and look at the ODT materials, I put a lot, we have a lot of warning labels. <laughs> um, it's a challenging, challenging Warning thing. labels. What? <laughs> What do, you, what do you mean you have a lot of like 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 a like a cigarette warning like what if you order warning. hiking it might cause Calif injury <laughs> if you order the, in California if you order, <laughs> order the materials and they ship them to you they actually come wrapped in police caution tape <laughs> beware no seriously what what do you mean warning labels wait can I give well, one cheer so the name the name is Oregon Desert Trail right away is kind of a misnomer it's a route so it, people starting showing up expecting a trail they're not going to find a trail they're not going to find any signs that say Oregon Desert Trail there is a lot to sort of understand and difficulties like canyoneering and swimming it's good to <laughs> know about the <laughs> well, Wait, so there's no that. trail you got to do some canyoneering <laughs> right. and you have to swim like <laughs> from <laughs> to cross rivers or pack raft or pack raft to cross rivers Yes. Well, yeah. I pack rafted the Owyhee, so I did a 140-mile water alternate. Instead wow. Of <laughs> That's a long... So what do you do when you get those emails from people that are like, ah, I'm planning an ODT hike. What type of footwear do you recommend? <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you say? Not sandals. <laughs> actually, well, I actually hike a lot in my tacos. Um, so. <laughs> wow. So I actually sandals. haven't had that question yet. Okay, good. No, that, that's a good thing. That means that the right people are hiking the ODT. I, I think that's true. The experienced yeah. through hikers are coming out like all good and Anish and Salty. Um, you know, Salty the yeah. up north loop, the, the Vaughn. Rosbra. Yeah, we just talked about them. I have some questions about, I want to kind of go back to the other stuff that you're working on because I know we're going to talk about the ODT a bunch. Uh, you mentioned the wetland biologists and stuff. I was curious about um, how you guys kind of interface with those people um, and if there's opportunities, you know, like uh, adventure, sci people. adventure scientists, they recruit, you know, 
laymen to do some of their data collection. And I was curious with, you know, with the biologists that you work with, is there any opportunities, you know, to get involved with them? Or, or do you guys already do that? Do you guys get to work with them and help them collect data? Kind of what's that relationship like? Yeah, we have a really uh, robust monitoring program. So Onda's been around for 30 years, and we do we do a lot of science. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of monitoring, especially right now for the sage-grouse. So it's year after year monitoring sage-grouse lucks. We monitor for other, there's the pronghorn out there. There's a lot of riparian areas um, that were that may be have been degraded with overgrazing or wildfire or invasive weeds. So there's a lot of work we're doing on the landscape um, with with scientists, with volunteers, with our members, with the agencies. So um, yeah, there's there's a lot happening on the landscape. And I should mention real quickly that the website is onda.org. You guys offer memberships, right? People can join on Onda. Onda. Correct. Yeah. And um, if you have trouble remembering how to pronounce it, think on the trail. You got to get. Okay. Okay. That's, that'll That's help me. Good. That's good. <laughs> you can make that into a t-shirt. <laughs> on the trail. Yeah. On the trail. Yeah. For the Oregon Natural Desert Association. Get on the trail. On the trail. I like <laughs> it. I like it. Yeah. Or you just have to make sure you put like a little trail show logo on the sleeve, though. <laughs> you know? Yeah, just a little something, something. It could be a hashtag on the trail. Boom. I have used that hashtag. Oh, oh, you beat us to the punch. Okay. So what else should we know about Onda or your or the Oregon Desert Trail? Or, you know, I mean, do you guys offer volunteer opportunities? Can people come out and help maintain a section of the ODT? Definitely. Yeah. Our restoration stewardship program is one aspect. So we have about 30 to 40 trips every year. Um, Signups are actually at the end of February. You can check out our website and we do anything from day trips to I'm leading a six day trail work trip in Steens Mountain in Beginian Gorge. Awesome. So if you want to hike in in one of the amazing, stunning glaciated gorge in the desert, it's pretty cool area. But we also do a lot of um, defense work. So we hold our land management agencies accountable to the law. Mm. (laughs) So just recently we had a big um, success in defending um, Steen's wind. There was a big industrial wind farm that was planned for the summit of Steen's Mountain. So this is the real iconic area, one one of the largest fault block mountains in the country. And we're all for renewable energy, I think, definitely. But it has to be in the appropriate place. This is a wilderness. This is a priority sage-grouse habitat. It just wasn't the right place for a, an industrial wind farm. So that was a success we had in the courts. So that is part of what we do. And then we have um, conservation campaigns. So trying to protect new wilderness areas or maybe a national monument. Or we just get involved in land management planning. What kind of buy-in have you had from the trail communities that are up and down the Oregon Desert Trail? Um, and I, I'm just kind of curious, like, mm-hmm. have you have you all thought about doing the, the, the gateway community ideas to, as a way to try to get locals involved in, or at least knowledgeable about the trail? Yeah, that's a, that's a big part of what I do. And I spend a lot of my time out east um, 
hanging out with people, having a beer, just talking about the trail. And fortunately, the hikers are doing a lot of work themselves. They're hiking into towns and, you know, someone asks them a question at the diner, at the bar. And next thing you know, they have, you know, they've been invited home for a meal or to take a shower or um, I'm really seeing, you know, the trail culture develop and the trail angels develop um, in a you know, organically, which I think is how, how it should be. It was really cool. I first went out, you know, in 2016, I hiked the whole trail and I had visited a lot of these communities and said, there's this thing and I'm doing it. But then when I walked in and I was filthy and dirty and they're like, wait a minute, you're actually doing the thing. <laughs> it was pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Well, before we move on, is there anything else about the your work or the Oregon Desert Trail you want to get out there before we uh, interview All Good and Salty about their hike on the ODT. Ooh, exciting. Mm, yep. um, I just think now, now is the time for us as long-distance hikers to pay attention, um, pay attention to the places we're walking through. And I did not really, I was not that aware of conservation issues before I started this job, even though I've you know, had 10,000 miles when I started this job, but um, it's been a real wake up call. And I think I would love to encourage everyone to next time you head out on a hike, think about who is managing this. Is there anything I can do just to get involved and know what's happening? Excellent. The website again is onda.org. Shira, thanks so much for coming on the show tonight. We really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we can get you back on the show at some yeah, point. Yeah, totally. Great. Thanks, everybody. In the meantime, get on the trail. Get on the trail. Get on the trail. (laughs) (laughs) Will do. All right, Shira. We'll talk to you later. All right. Take care. And there she goes, ladies and gentlemen. Renee, Shira, Patrick. Who are you pointing at, P.O.D.? Yeah. Salty. Yeah, I'll also mention, I mean, ONDA is just a really unique organization that I was really excited to learn more about after, I didn't know about them before I got involved with ODT, and I think just as a conservation organization that manages a trail, they just put out a lot of great info. Like yeah. it's a news, newsle- a monthly email newsletter that I actually open and read and find really oh, cool. valuable. Yeah, and I mean, for a small like donation to the organization, you can <laughs> become a member and get a pretty calendar. Um, yeah, they're just a great one to be involved with. And I'll just say one thing too that you know Shira touched on it, but all that information they put out for free. I mean, it's the easiest trail to plan because they literally mm. have like everything worked out including like a really good town guide. It's all free to download. We went on best value copy and we got our stuff printed out for like 30 bucks. It might be easy to plan. Is that a product plan. placement right there? No, it's just, actually I heard that from the trail show I know. years ago. But, but <laughs> ju- all good. Just because it's easy to plan doesn't mean it's easy, easy to, to hike. hike, right? No, not at all. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, okay. No, exactly. Okay, so we've got to take a break. When we come back, we're going to hear all about All Good and Salty's hike on the ODT. And you'll hear how not easy it was. Don't go anywhere. Hey guys, this is Moonkid, and I never listen to the trail show. You know, it's just that it's not it's not good enough for me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man! I love that he had to explain why. Yeah, it's it's not good enough. That was hurtful. It's not good enough. All right, so in studio this month, we've got All Good and Salty to talk to us about um, why you need painkillers on the Oregon Desert Trail. Guys, take it away. Uh, It's a painful (laughs) trail. 
There's a lot of things that are going to hurt at the end of the day. Oh boy! All right, let's <laughs> before we get into all that, let's let's just let's talk about basics. Where does it start? Where does it finish? How long is it? Where is it? I'm gonna I'm gonna do this part. So uh, we started at Lake Oahe State Park, which is pretty close to the Idaho border, about a half hour south of a town called Ontario, which is right on the border of Idaho and uh, Oregon. So that's the eastern terminus. That is the eastern terminus. All right. We ended at the western terminus, which is at the uh, Badlands Wilderness, and uh, that's about 25 miles east of Bend, Oregon. Okay. So um, the trail is roughly 750 miles. Okay. Of that 750 miles, 9% is trail, 35% is cross country, 51% is unpaved and dirt roads, which is a very loose definition of what a dirt road could be. And 5% is paved road. So there you go. So there's a buffet of surfaces, if you will. Oh, that cross country. We did. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes, we did. (laughs) Okay. There's a wide variety when you say cross country. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It could be anything. I mean, sometimes, yeah, cross country was everything from swimming in the Oahe to um, walking over like lava rock. Fields, fields of boulders. Um, Wait a minute, let's, let's borax lake beds. Let's, let's go right. back to the swimming yeah, part. Let's, let's talk about <laughs> right. swimming. I want to know about this because that's yeah, one what? of my many Achilles is river crossings. Um, was it was it fast? Was it swift? Was it scary at all? Or was it? It was just you no, know, it was just deep. It was. It wasn't. Yeah, I mean, certain sections were deep. It wasn't fast. It was. I mean, okay. it was flowing pretty gently. Um, it was just we were in the Oahe Canyon, and the the canyon walls are too steep on either side right. to There's walk. There's no trail. Yeah, no yeah. trail okay. basically. So you you were stuck going uh, straight up the center. Oh, okay. Yeah. Although we should point out, we did it in September. So I don't like if you were there in the spring. Like the reason we went from east to west is because for a fall hike, everyone who's done a fall hike has gone that way because you start in eastern Oregon where. It's more remote, but you have these river crossings and river swims. And if you went any later, like the second half of September or October, it could be really problematic for that long stretch where you're in the water. Okay. Um, but so we went upstream where in the spring they come downstream. So luckily we had like lower flows. It was a really dry, hot summer in Oregon. Um, but we did have to swim upstream. So you couldn't touch bottom. Oh, no. You right. were straight up swimming. I don't know. It felt like a quarter mile, maybe. Maybe more. Okay, that's I don't not know. It was significant. Too, it's significant. But well, it's and then we like crossed a bar and then had to do that again. So you had to do that a couple of times. Ooh, right. a quarter mile yeah. with a pack, though. Right. Yeah, yeah. that's a lot. So I mean, what? So what did you guys do? Mile. Did you take out your pack liner and like, how do you keep your stuff dry when you're? When <laughs> yeah, it's a good question, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. What do you do? We lost a cell phone because that was in a oh. Ziploc bag. Um, yeah. So oh, that, that was salty, fried. right? Damn you, Ziploc. No, that was swept away. We used pack liners, but. I think we all lost at least about a half day dinner and a half day's worth of food. Food got wet. Yeah. Yeah, food got yeah. wet. Hmm. I mean, what we, would you do differently if you had to do that swim again? I would have brought three pack liners right. instead of just <laughs> one that maybe had a hole in it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. That that's fair. Yeah. Did you, did you use like a inflatable pad or something to help give your Backpacks some float. No, you know, backpacks are surprisingly buoyant once you have a big yeah. catabatic sleeping bag in there. It just, you know, lifted you right up. Hmm. So, huh. I don't the, know. Yeah. Did the sleeping bags get wet at all? Only the little bit of my foot box got damp. That was it. That's never the a problem. The foot box no. always gets damp. Right. Yeah, so it was no big deal. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it was the desert. Try yeah, down it's it. fine. Yeah. You guys hiked in the fall. You You went westbound. Is there any advantage to hiking in the spring and going eastbound? 
Uh, there's probably more water. Right. Yeah. Oh. So yeah, Onda does a really good water chart. Okay. But we could only rely on reliable water sources. You mean and, you aren't relying <laughs> on all the water caches on the Oregon <laughs> Desert Trail? Uh, Are you saying that unreliable sources weren't reliable? Well, yes. That's what we're saying. What was your longest water carry? 47 miles. Oh. How much water did you carry for 47 miles? Two. Just two, li- just two liters, like dirt two, monger. Two liters. Yeah, but actually, like tomato was like you only if you can do it in a with one liter, you're good to go. Um, yeah, we carried three gallons each. Whoa! It was 96 degrees, and there was no shade for two weeks. You two guys weeks. needed, yeah. you guys needed el fuego, the, uh, the, the water cart. cart. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the cart. Yeah. Mm, I don't know if that would have done those cross country canyons. Yeah, that sounds awesome. M- maybe a donkey. Yeah, that would have worked. Uh, I'm trying to. I'm, I'm thinking maybe a silver umbrella came in handy on this hike. Indispensable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was it a top piece of gear? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I Without mean, a doubt. There were hundreds of miles without how, any yeah. shade. How did really? you actually carry three gallons of water? <laughs> like what? Like what was your? What were the containers that you oh, had to do? And that, how long you know? did it take for all good to figure out that you'd snuck y- your water into his pack? <laughs> uh, I never figured that out till right now. Um, like what containers did you have? For I, three we, gallons of water. Well, we each had these three liter bags from a company called Canock in Oregon. So a solid three liter bag. It's like a TPU bag, and yeah. it's like a long cylinder. So we put like one on each side of your pack, and then I had a four-liter TPU soft, like, one-gallon container from HydroPack that was, like, pretty watertight, luckily, but meant for, like, expeditions. Put that kind of down in your pack, and then another three-liter hydration pack for drinking that you would put in your pack, so... You really tried to keep it kind of low and centered wow. if we could, but huh. it was a lot of water. Did it was brutal. Collect the tears, too. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, they dried too quickly. Yeah, they evaporated oh, no. on the spot. <laughs> oh, but left God. a little salt. I mean, the good thing was the day we had three gallons of water each, we each also had seven days of food. Right. So oh, Wow, that sounds so cool. It was really fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not wow. for the faint of heart. Best of both yeah. worlds right there. So, yeah, I would say don't bring a really light backpack on this trip. Like, yeah. you want to have a you pack. You don't want to bring the... Uh, yeah, no, you're looking for a pack that can, one, take a beating with bushwhacking, and two, has a good support to hear, carry weight. So maybe def- this is like one of those times to go to the Army Surplus store, find that canvas. I mean, it couldn't hurt. <laughs> Do you have any suggestions, Did you, you know, packs that might work well for I that? Mean, no, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> surprisingly, yes. Uh, well, being that I worked at Six Moon Design, started a month before I left for the hike. Yeah. So that's, that's my trail tip. Get a job at a hiking company. And tell them, hey, my second month here, I need a month off to go hiking. Hey, guys, I hope this isn't a deal breaker, but um, next weekend I have to leave for a month. Is that, is that cool? Is that okay? Did so, you use a Six Moons pack? Yeah, actually, we all used uh, Six Moon packs. Okay, and they didn't tear no, I that used, water? Me carry? and Swiftway had Fusion 50s, I mean, seven which days can carry of, like 65 yeah. pounds. Okay, good. Because I was going to say, seven days of food for you is like a week for Dirtmonger. You know. I mean, a month of food I mean, for that's him. a month for most hikers. Yeah, yeah a week for me. <laughs> no. I mean, just the archway cookies alone were waiting down the pack. <laughs> well, I, I think this is actually... You really actually, need to think about that donkey. Yeah. This, this is actually a good conversation because uh, <laughs> I, I did a section on the Hay Duke, and like the Hay Duke is, or, or the Oregon <laughs> Desert Trail, or any of these like desert trails where you're doing, where you got no shade, you've got long waterless stretches... This isn't the trail to carry, you know, your ultralight frameless rucksack with no hip belt because you're going to be completely 100% miserable. miserable. Like, yeah. it, it's actually okay to carry a pack that has a frame to it and a hip belt 
if you're going to be carrying three freaking gallons of water and seven days of food. Actually, yeah. I would submit that you want to carry a pack of that nature, right? I, I, I think so. Yeah, personally, for me, that was the only way to go. Salty? Yeah, I think that's the way to go, too. Yeah. 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 It's nice the to other- have a frame and a hip belt. Yeah, and the other thing on the ODT is we're it's so remote. The I mean, just back up in all seriousness, the Oregon Desert Trail where we started, the first half of that trail is the least populated part of the lower forty-eight. So it's a dark night, uh, dark sky night area. Yeah, um, you look at like a map at night of like the U.S. It's like super dark right there. Did, and, did uh, y'all happen to be out there during any uh, like meteor showers or anything? Or? No, but I mean, just every night you'd see like a hundred shooting stars, just because oh. it's so dark. Like you would, it would get dark, and the Milky Way would come out immediately. <laughs> did Did you guys do any uh, like night photography? No, I don't carry a. I just carry a point and shoot. They had to carry the water, especially. Yeah, dude. Yeah, come on, man. Tripods and. I don't need to hear excuses. <laughs> it's it's you know it's to, whatever you like to enhance your trip. Um, apparently, you like to bring a nice big camera. I like food, so I just bring extra food <laughs> that other people bring equipment. But no, in all seriousness, like you really need to be self reliable out there on the ODT. Um, so you need to carry some extra stuff like a repair, like a real repair kit. Okay. Like when you roll into town on the ODT, no matter what town, you're not going to find even like a tip for a trekking pole if you break it. So if there's three of you or two of you together, you might want to consider like little things like that, like some gear repair kits. Because if something breaks out there, you are really on your own. The towns are yeah. very remote. You're not getting anything that you need out there. You know, I've actually, twice on long hikes, I've had the stitching from one of two shoulder straps come undone. And all I had was a needle and some thread. And that was enough to, like, make the repair good enough so that I was actually able to use two shoulder straps again. Like, I would submit, like, if you're hiking long trails and maybe even, like, shorter trails, you need to know how to at least do, like, a very basic hand stitch with a needle and thread. And you need to carry that with you because you lose a pack strap and you're in the middle of a 47-mile yeah. waterless stretch with three gallons. With the nearest nah, town, it, you know. It doesn't work. Two days away at You've least. You've got to be able to figure out a repair. Yeah. yeah. And I, I actually carry those sailing uh, sailcloth ne- needles. They're rounded. And they're really Ooh. thick, and they're designed for, like, sewing canvas and sailcloth. And Salty can attest you can sew right through plastic with those things. You mm. can. You and can probably shoes. And shoes. Yep. <laughs> and you can probably sew up your hiking partner if, if they needed that, too, right? Yeah, I hope it never comes to that, but I'm sure you could. <laughs> you you want to get those special curved needles for that. Okay. Yeah, these are curved. Yeah. Oh, are they? Oh, yeah. All right. Other than, <laughs> other than sewing, up, <laughs> sewing up your hiking partner and their gear. Trail tip. What else about the ODT should Trail Show Nation know about? Like, talk to us a little bit about. Um, Resupply well, options. Well, no, no. Let me oh. ask you this. So you, so you guys said it was 750 miles. Yep. Why the hell did you only allow for a month to hike it? That seems like a pretty <laughs> ambitious and punishing schedule. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think one reason is that's the type of people that Allgood and I are. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> so that's like very out fair. there enjoying the the challenge of it. Um, mm. And then Allgood also really wanted to get back to work. Oh, so that, my wedding we, anniversary we can, is yeah, October fourth. That too. So okay, kind of needed to be home time for crunch. That. Time but crunch. But really, it was work. You know, more than anything, I had a month off. So okay. if you want to do a through hike every year, you got to work with the time you got, and it might mean just having to put in longer hours. I just thought the idea of, you know, 14, 30-mile days straight sounded really fun. <laughs> yeah. You know, the thing with the ODT is we joked a lot that it was like 50 shades of sage out there. Because uh. <laughs> yeah, it was like every day the ODT was like a dominatrix, and would take you 
right to the edge where you're going to cry. And then it would back off and like give you different service, like right when you're about to cry. It's like, okay, here, here's something different now. Um, but it was pretty brutal in a lot of ways. But at the same time, it was like really rewarding. I mean, we went from French Glen to the end in two weeks. Like that was halfway in two weeks, or actually a little bit more. And um, yeah, we sat down in French Glen. We thought we were going to run out of time. And we we're like, we have to average 32 miles a day to make it to the end in two weeks. And um, yeah, I mean, we just really kind of we had to be very disciplined. We got up every morning at four thirty, out of camp by five, and hiked until dark. Did you guys wow. see much in the way of wildlife during those uh, those early morning and and late evening hikes, or just in general? Megafauna. Uh, yeah, we saw some megafauna. There were a lot of cows. Lots of cows. <laughs> Lots of cows. Five thousand, you think? At least, yeah. At least. Um, a lot of coyotes and coyotes yeah. eating cows. Yeah, that was like oh, really cool. gnarly, dead, dry. Dead cows. Yeah. Wow. Lots of carcasses. Yeah. Uh, so wild horses. Mule deer. Mule deer. Yeah. Uh, rattlesnakes. Pronghorn up the wazoo. Mm-hmm. Lots of pronghorn. Uh, that, that can't be comfortable. When you were when you were hiking those <laughs> when you were hiking those thirty two mile days, where there's was there any time for taking a nap? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there was. Yeah, so you should tell the story about me the second day. Oh, no. Yeah. No, you tell that. <laughs> so our second day out, we ran out of water. And then we got some really janky water. But we, once again, didn't take enough, not realizing that it was as hot as it was. And uh, as we were going up a canyon, I developed a really good case of probably heat exhaustion. And I was like, I'm, I'm really dizzy. I don't feel so good. And uh, we saw a juniper tree, a lone juniper tree. It's like the only tree we saw for three days. Wow. Just happened to be in this canyon. So I was like, let's go to this tree and... And we were totally off the route, so it was like oh, yeah. <laughs> shocking that we happened upon this tree anyways. Completely off the route. And um, we got to the tree, and it had some shade, and I just said, I, I need to sit down for a minute. And within like five minutes, apparently, I was snoring. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we but, all know that snore, don't we, that, guys? Oh, yeah. But that was like the only nap, right? Right, yeah. No, yeah. the story yeah. I was going to tell was, was <laughs> yeah. uh, how when Algid was driven in our last two weeks of the hike to get to the finish on time, that he started to time our breaks, and as soon as he did that, I put my foot down. I was like, there are no timed breaks. I, even if we're going to get up in 15 minutes, you will not set a timer. Yeah, yeah come on, man. Trail tip, don't do that unless yeah. you talk about unless it beforehand. death eyes. Or death eyes. So, like, yeah. the timer goes off, like, beep, 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 Yeah, beep, like, beep, hey, it's been 15 minutes. We should pack up and go. And then I crushed it under my foot. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Wow, I, I have a hard time imagining Allgood being the guy that sets his timer on a... On a freaking rest break, man. I'm pretty type A. Wow. I was kind of amazed that he even knew what a timer was or how it worked. Yeah. Yeah. That That was not the situation when I hiked with Allgood and Snorkel on the Sierra High Road. You know, the CDT. I was definitely like, come on, guys. Let's go. Yeah, definitely. The CDT changed me. I'll be honest. Mm. Um, And I'll say that, too. Like, this isn't a hike. If this is, like, your first, like, I want a through hike. I'm going to do the ODT. (laughs) I don't recommend that as your first hike. Yeah. I think this is a great hike, like. I've done a couple of different long hikes. I'm looking for something a little shorter, but very challenging because it was, to me, it was probably the most challenging trail I did, even more so than the Sierra High Route in some ways, just because you were so remote. It was so hot. The water carries were so big that just the pack weight alone, I mean, I carried like a 51-pound pack out of Rome probably, and I carried like 50 pounds since like 1996. Uh, wow. I don't know. I saw your pack coming, uh, coming out of uh, Chama. Dude, this sounds so Oh, yeah, awesome. coming out of Chama Pack is probably 45 but pounds, yeah. that said, I will mention that Swami mentioned Ryan Choi submitted a lot of the photos for the Hey Duke. Yeah. And the Hey Duke 
was Ryan Choi's first long distance hike. I'm and not saying he it was can't the first person to through hike it. So yeah, I, right, exactly. Yeah. It's probably not the best option, but you know, there's some people out there like him that yeah. yeah. He was the works. first person to through hike what? The Hayduke. The Hayduke. Uh, who was the first person to through hike the ODT? Uh, Sage Clegg. Okay. Yeah. 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 And oh, then cool. the next year was Tomato, uh, the Reverend, and Dirt. And, you know, a lot of people always joke, they're like, I can't believe, because Tomato did the ODT, didn't he had mixed feelings about it, so to speak. And we did the Chinook Trail together like a month later. And people were like, I can't believe you want to hike that trail after he told you all about it. So, yeah. Um, we so, did see a lot of rattlesnakes too, by the tomato way. Tomato hates everything. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he's a hater. Come yeah. on, tomato. Wow, that's, he's like he's that's a tough. hindsight hiker. Like six months <laughs> later, he's like, oh, that hike was great. Yeah, <laughs> uh, a hindsight hiker. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> I know what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Hashtag yeah. hindsight hiker. Okay, well, I'll write that down. I think that's his uh, Instagram handle. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, one thing that was challenging <laughs> hindsight was hindsight hiker. <laughs> hindsight hiker. I mean, you definitely want to use a GPS. Uh, Onda gives you a really nice track to use with your Gaia, and it'd be pretty difficult to know when to turn. I mean, there was days where we were just on, like, a plateau of just sagebrush as far as you could see, 360, and it was pretty flat. And it was like there were road junctions or places you need to turn. You were cross-country you needed to turn. I don't know if without a GPS how you could ever determine. Yeah. Like, I went three and a half miles, and now I need to take a 60-degree you know, left to take a new bearing this way. Yeah, I. you know what? Having hiked the Grand Enchantment Trail, I, I know people have hiked the GET without a phone or a mm-hmm. GPS or a GPX track of any kind. But speaking to what you said, like I bet I saved a week in yeah <laughs> in standing around like looking at things, trying to figure things out just just by like having that line on a on a GPS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I think uh, of course having backup. Uh, like a mapping yeah. compass as well because my phone died on the third day. Yeah. So yeah, I was using compass so and map and talk to us about that. So like your phone, how dependent were you? This this is actually a good this is a good teachable moment. We could do a whole episode because yeah. because without a doubt there are many hikers like every year now going out on long trails with nothing but their phone and an app. Right. Yep. So Day three, your your phone goes kerplunk in the yep. the you know. It was in the heat. It was just yeah, too hot for her heat. phone. Okay, the heat just killed her phone. Yeah. So, so what'd you do? What happened? So I had well, I had my paper maps and I had a compass. Unfortunately, I was with two hiking partners okay. um, who had GPS as well. But yeah, I mean, knowing how to read a map and use mm-hmm. a compass, and then also knowing how to read the landscape, I think is really important because something I thought of when we were talking to Shira. Um, and just, you know, having having some experience because there were sections on some of those maps that would actually say, um, f- find the best route through here. Let us know. Let us know if you find a good way. Yeah. Like literally that was the note on the map. Right. It was like, let us know what you find. Try your try your best. Okay. One of the notes in one of the pushbacks said, try your best through the crumbly rock yeah. area. I was like, it, it sounds as though, <laughs> oh, okay. it sounds as though maybe Jonathan Lay works for the, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it was like the next level of Jonathan Lay yeah. though. Yeah. Oh, random, wow. Random, t- like, I noticed when I hiked the Hayduke is that the best way is usually if you can find a cow path or an animal yeah, path yeah, going Because they when are I'm very yeah. smart about, totally. yeah. about yeah. efficiency. And, so. well, they'll always lead you to water, too. I mean, yeah. worst case scenario, it's like get on a cow path, follow it to water. But I mean, we definitely got turned off and lost. There was days where we would make up a lot of our own stuff just because it's a, it's a true route. I mean, 
yeah, you got to go cross country for 20 miles along this rim, or I could walk that for a mile and a half, and there's a road that's paralleling this rim 300 yards away I can get on and walk hmm. on a, at least a somewhat you know, maintained road for the next 35 miles through a barren area with no shade, and it's 90-plus degrees, so... You know, we did a lot of like doing it on the fly and just making up as we went along. Dude, everything, Dude. everything that I've heard about this trail tonight just sounds so all right. Pleasant. No, here let's talk about the yes, pleasant no, things. Yes. No, 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 about no. Let's talk wildness. about the let's yeah. talk about the pleasant things. Honestly, um, the canyons that we went through. Yeah, the diversity of landscapes. Yeah. I was just going to mention were incredible. I mean, I was blown away. I thought Eastern right. Oregon, it's just going to be endless sage <laughs> and just openness, which I was fine with because I I needed that in my life <laughs> at that moment i felt like i just needed to have that like open space where i could just walk and walk and i was shocked that there were yeah tons of canyon lands um there you know were rivers um like even some uh like alpine forests yeah what yeah. else yeah we like aspen forest uh the fremont national forest you go on the fremont national Recre- recreation trail for like 45 60 miles mm-hmm. and i mean you're through like just these beautiful mountains in oregon that have like aspen groves and pine trees that was the only part that was really like maintained trail, but like the Steens mountain, I mean, you walk across a playa, the Alvord desert, which is completely amazing, a dry lake bed and you go to hot springs. And then the next day we bushwhacked up 5,500 feet. More about those hot springs. Yeah. Let, yeah. yeah. What about the hot springs? Lots of hot springs. Really? Yeah. yeah. There's a, uh, when you get to West little Wahi Canyon, there were warm springs, um, before we went to camp that night. And then that next day when we were in the Oahe, West Little Oahe Canyon, we were in and out of the water all morning. We were really cold. Hmm. Um, there was warm, hot spring creeks coming in. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times we would stop and take a break. Like there's, I remember one break in particular. The three of us sat in this hot spring creek just in this stream with all our clothes on, just eating <laughs> breakfast, just like, I'm so like cold. Sitting in the flowing sitting water. Sitting in the flowing water, just eating like, like granola <laughs> bars and, oh, wow. and drinking you know, wow. shakes or whatever. Um and then Alvarez Desert, I mean, you come across this big, dry lake bed desert for a day. Yep. And then there's this really cool little hot spring resort there. They have two nice pools. They have a little office with microwave food and a heated bathroom. Oh. Yeah, Heart Mountain had hot springs. Heart Mountain had hot springs. There yep. was a hot spring on the way in a French Glen. So there's quite a few hot springs along the way. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, which is Did good because there's not a lot of showers on the ODT. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. So that's one thing, too. The trail towns are really small. Like... A trail town on the ODT is literally one building that is the gas station, the post office, the local store, the diner, the cafeteria, the campground, all in one. So mail drops are probably key on this trail. It's a mail drop trail. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you like to eat real food. Okay. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, real quick, for anyone going on the ODT, so you don't have to ask the question, when you get to Rome, uh, the Wi-Fi password (laughs) is all caps, Trump wins. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, uh, wow. Good, good to know. Yeah, good to know. And spe- I'll, I'll be sure to wear my uh, Mexican soccer <laughs> shirt when I go it, to that. Uh, time. You know, if they've if they've changed it, maybe try Trump twenty twenty. Yeah, that could be the next one. Yeah, uh, yeah. Trump wins twenty twenty. Uh, Trump wins twenty twenty. T- talk to us about the libraries on the ODT. Oh. <laughs> the libraries. D- did you guys have an incident in a library? <laughs> yeah, yes, we did. Oh, uh, really? Do tell. No, salty, please. Yeah, so, <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a trail town called Denio. It's, again, a tiny little town. Probably Denial. Denial. Denio. Denio. Yes. Um, so, of course, we had walked in the heat all day long and were ridiculously dusty. 
and uh, in our trail guide, it said that we could get library or get water at this at the denial library. So we walked in. It was probably I don't know around five or six o'clock. Mile off trail. Mile off trail. Yeah. Uh, the library was closed, so we. Just I put on my pants. Yeah. Oh, right. Yes, because he, he didn't. You, he he didn't Porky Pig at the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice yeah. right. <laughs> you should point out he normally wears a skirt. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not oh okay. <laughs> that makes more sense now. <laughs> going <laughs> right so the library's closed we sit there for a minute and like snack on the basil that's sitting there next to our bench so, so there was just basil growing next to the library and you're like yeah well like, you know, foraging they had a okay. couple they had a couple planter boxes with basil and some cherry tomatoes in them do you eat some cherry tomatoes too we each might have eaten a cherry tomato nice yes Responsible foraging. Yes. Yeah. Sustainable. So you guys are robbing the library. <laughs> right. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> right. So then we go around the back. We fill up our water. And we come back out front. It's We've probably been there maybe 20 minutes um, and have yeah. uh, have had at least one person do the slow drive by where they like <laughs> look over and just stare at us sitting on the benches in front of the library. Mm-hmm. And then a van pulls up next to us. And there's an older gentleman in there. And not three minutes before the van pulled up, I was like, well, apparently no one's going to give us a ride to the trailhead. And there's nobody in this town. So I'm putting my skirt back on because it's hot. So I put my skirt back <laughs> on. And then the minivan pulls up. What was the conversation? The conversation was something like this. What are you doing here? <laughs> oh, we're uh, getting some water. Why? Well, we're, we're hiking the Oregon Desert Trail. Where's your car? We, we don't have a car. We walked here from, like, the Oahe Canyon. No, you didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, we did. Well, what are you doing? I'm trying to hike this trail, and I walked up to the guy's van and, like, tried to show my map. He's like, I can't read that. <laughs> Wow. And um, he said, my wife's the librarian, and I got a call. There were people loitering here, uh, so I need to come check out what you're doing. So we tried to explain what we were doing. We're like, we're going to go up this canyon from here. And he said, you can't go up there. Not even the cows go up there. (laughs) (laughs) It's too steep and brushy. We're like, well, that's where we're supposed to go, sir. So I kind of signaled to Salty and Salty, like, hey, get, get your packs on. It's time, it's time for us to leave tonight. Yeah, yeah. And uh, as we started putting on our packs, he goes, well, I'm not trying to run you off. <laughs> uh, yeah, you are. Like, oh, <laughs> That's exactly yeah, what yeah, you're doing. Yeah. We're like, that seems exactly like what you're doing, and, and we'll just leave. We don't need any problems. Uh, so not a ride to the trailhead. Yeah, uh-huh. denied and denial. Denied and denial. Oh man, man so. wow, that that's a tough day. But on maybe the trail. maybe it next is. time it'll be easier for the next group of hikers that go through. Yeah, you know, yeah, probably. And you know what? They ran us off. We climbed a big mountain and we camped on this bench. We had a great sunset over the Oregon Pipe Mountains or whatever it was. And it was great. So that, do do you think that the do call that, that you were loitering came in before or after you uh, foraged the t- the tomatoes <laughs> and, and the basil? I mean, we did that on the sly. Oh yeah, no one knew. <laughs> no, I mean, let's think about it. Basil is so sustainable. I mean, I had to take a couple to put my mac and cheese that night. Nice, right? As yeah. you do, yeah, as you do. Yeah. I mean, I definitely send resupplies. Yeah, I mean, there's some great. I mean, the towns are. For the most part, pretty friendly and accommodating, but you do need to bring your own food because okay. the choices are pretty slim. Dried things. basil, maybe. Right. Yeah, dried basil, exactly. So this is kind of an advanced level trail. It sounds like, like if you don't know what kind of footwear you need to wear, you probably don't want to <laughs> hike on the. You don't want to go on the ODT. No, no. no. Okay. Um, I would bring trekking poles. I'd be prepared with water. I mean, you have to have water cash. That's just part of it. Oh, d- really? You have to like go drive out and pre-cash water. Yeah, we actually shear a. 
being a close personal friend and yeah. all was like, I'll cash your water for you. I've got to go to But don't anyway. email Sheer and ask her. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. She will not, not help you. No. No, no. But, she um, doesn't like you. The no. last, <laughs> yes, exactly. The last probably 65 miles, you need to have water cached. Or maybe a little bit more, maybe 100 miles. We had like four water caches where you wow. had to have a water cache. So water oh, is okay. a big freaking deal on the ODT. Yeah. Maybe she should start a side business for the trail show. <laughs> she bottom. should. She could make when you when you cast your water, did you just leave like gallon jugs there and pick? Oh and yeah, li- and if, leave like, them behind if and there come was back a, to get them. If there was a beer can that someone really like like she's left a couple do? of beers, I just drank those and just whipped those into the sagebrush like the pickup trucks do right. out there. And uh, yeah. So what does your water cache entail? <laughs> or do you not want to say that on? The, <laughs> no, the, yeah. no, no, really. For like our water yeah. cache. We uh we packed out the bottles and we did okay. yeah no we filled yeah. them into our regular vessels yeah. yeah and then we just crunched them and strapped them to the top mm-hmm. of our pack yeah. yep I mean luckily in that area we were in town like almost every two days so, so you could dispose of we them. could dispose yeah, of them pretty easily yeah, yeah no okay you didn't have to litter no just curious <laughs> I mean if you're facing like a hundred mile stretch yeah I mean like, then you, know, you have to litter yeah. right <laughs> but in a hundred years it's historical I, I, it's true I feel like if you carry it in and it's full of water which is the heaviest thing. You can carry it out. Probably mm. can. Yeah. yeah. I, that's why I had to ask. I mean, I'm just maybe. Thinking out loud. Just spitballing. Yeah. All right. We got to move on, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah but, totally. Um, anything else about the ODT? You guys hike on it? You want to get out there? Can Can people go? Did you take photos? Can people uh, go look? Yeah. I mean, I had I kept a daily blog. Oh, talk of to it. us. So, Ooh, yeah, what? you go to the dagodiaries.com. Does it have all good spelling? No. Actually, <laughs> oh. you know, um, since the CDT. No, I've corrected it, haven't I? No, no, <laughs> no. Some of it, I've I've tried to, I've tried to be better since the CDT. You can read my CDT journals. I finally made those in proper English. I mean, you can try to read them. Yeah, no, I fixed them all. That was a project last year. But the ODT, I did keep a daily journal. So if you want to read about it, you could go to the DagoDiaries.com. Uh, okay, Salty's done some stuff on her website too. I did, yeah. So beforehand, I I outlined how I did my resupply. So it has where I did, you know, where I sent boxes and how much, and then also how I structure a resupply, being someone who cares about what I eat. So that might be interesting to people. And then afterwards, I did just like an overview, like a recap of the trail, and then I did like a some excerpts from my trail journal as well. Is that on katiegerber.com? Correct. Okay. And is there a pop up? On there for my yes. email address. There's multiple pops up every five seconds. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you want a TV? And Sign one, up. One other you thing. should talk to D'Lo. He can he can fix that. Oh, I already manually added him to my email. Ah! <laughs> so so one other thing is um, if you're going to any of the Alder West rucks coming up, there will be a breakout session specific to the ODT. I know in the Cascade Locks, maybe. but not here in Colorado. Well, I don't know. Oh. Maybe. Oh yeah, because oh yeah, I forgot to mention the rucks during Trail News. That's okay. They're they're coming up. It's rucking season. It's rucking get, season. Get rucked. It's getting close. Thank you guys so much for talking to us about your hike on the ODT. Yeah. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we've got a lot of stuff to do. All right. All right. <laughs> All right. Hi, this is Simon from Germany. I hate hiking and I never listen to the trail show. But I love sauerkraut. Oh, sauerkraut. Alter, is this lecker. Well, POD, <laughs> what did he, you speak German. What did he just say to us? I don't know. He said, okay. I, like sour, he <laughs> said I like sauerkraut. I, I've spoken yeah. a little German in my I think day. That's, <laughs> I think that's German for I, I, think, I like sauerkraut. I think he said, I like, I said like, like sauerkraut. 
Lika. Oh, Lika is delicious. Oh, Lika. Okay. Yeah. I think uh, Out of Order spent the most time in Germany. Yeah, he did. In here. You should translate Triple O. Uh, he doesn't listen to the trail show. He has poor taste in food. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, sauerkraut and salty will corroborate my story here is full of beneficial probiotics. Yes. Correct. Yes. Very good for your gut. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. I've been known to eat a spoonful of raw sauerkraut with the juices every day. Yum. But is it more medicinal or for food? It's medicinal, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'm not eating. Yeah, it's not. It's not on top of like a foot long, no, you know, hot no. dog or something like it's that. It's not okay. a snack. It's not a snack. We're back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we just we just had some fun with John Carr photography, and uh, we'll see what comes out of that. Maybe s- check out your local Instagram feed. J o n j o h n c a r r dot photography. Two R's. So we need to check in with the beer. We've had some incredible beers this evening. Who's got a beer in there? Oh, Salty, looks like you're ready. What do you got? Yes, I have a cherry vanilla cider, 6.9% alcohol by volume. Uh, This is from Potter's Potter's Craft Cider. And it's wonderful because I have a secret to tell. Trail Show Nation. What? Oh, Confessions. Isn't that the new segment? It is. The Wild Card. Right, yeah. I'll get jumped the gun earlier, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing new. Because I, I sometimes read the beer labels, but I haven't been drinking the beer for a while because I don't drink uh, beer anymore, even though it's delicious, but no gluten. So the cider, the cider came this time, and I'm enjoying it very much. Tebow sent that just for you. Yes, he nice. must have known. Good man. Thank you, Tebow. These Virginia beers Tebow. are incredible. P.O.D., what's the astronaut IPA we just opened? Ooh. Why are you asking her when it's in my hand? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, what did like, I just say? Did I say P.O.D.? Yeah. yeah. You also said incredible. <laughs> incredible. <laughs> Everything's in- incredible. What Would are you, you talking do about? Do you want me to talk? Or, yeah. I, I don't have to. No, go, please. You've got the can. <laughs> not too long. I need you to, <laughs> if you don't mind reading the entire. I don't want to talk too long. Let I mean, just, it's a tall can, set so. The record. If you don't mind reading the entire can, that'd be helpful. Life in the Clouds, India Pale Ale, Collective Arts, Art Brewing. From, it's not clear. And it is a quite good hazy 6.1 ABV. It's a hazy IPA. Tasty, juicy, but not too strong. I, I actually liked it. Yeah, you did? Do you want yeah. more? Yeah, I'll have a little bit more. Okay, here we go. P.O.D., you have a can in your hand. Although you've got a mouthful of food, so what What's more doing? annoying, my okay. carrot crunching or D-Lo's okay, 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 okay. nose breathing? D-Lo. D-Lo. Um, I have the... Um, Saving Daylight Citrus Wheat, ale brewed with grapefruit and orange peel, which is delicious, from... Uh, Williamsburg, Virginia. That's right. From the DH. DH. Yep. Actually, if you could pass that over this way. Also, Disco, you need to talk about that one. This this is from the Tebow. That one is from the Hugely, and it was delicious. Oh, I thought that was from the Dave Hugely. Dan Hugely no. sent oh, us a cerveza fresca, oh. which is a passion fruit maracuya. 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 Juicy IPA. This one is a uh, 7.3 ABV deal. Ooh. 16 fluid ounces. ESBC. This is from a California brewery Whoa, known did, did as... Did you just say ESBC? El Segundo Brewing Company. Wow. Get into it, brah. Now, this is delicious. This is <laughs> trouble, actually. Like I could sit down and drink six of these and not even blink. And if I did, I'd be in a lot of trouble because it's 7.3 ABV. But it's, it's very juicy. Jugoso. Jugoso. Okay. 
Um, apparently, we're going into a new segment we call Gift Corner. And <laughs> yes, uh, yeah, and all you know. good. Put, take it away. So I, I brought you a little gift oh. here from uh, Six Moon Designs. Okay. Um, and I know you guys really love to review oh, ten no. steaks. Oh. I brought each of you a Six Moon Design ten steak. <laughs> and a pack pod, so take one and pass them along. Wait, what's the second item? It's a it's a pack pod. It's a little cube made out of uh, sil polyester, and wow. it's got taped seams inside, and a zipper, and it's great for organizing gear or a lightweight food bag or. Well, I know what we're your doing. Dirty for... underwear on a trip. Oh, know. actually, I was just I have my underwear balled it's up a good in the thing bedroom. You got, you got yeah, the brown so one. I see. So thing. you're good to go. You got the brown bag. Perfect yeah. for dirty undies. You know, we haven't reviewed maybe a, yours. A yes, definitely for mine. We have not reviewed a tin steak of this shape. So. We haven't. Actually. Well, future work yeah. for you, my friends. Wow. One of them looks yeah. like a knitting wow. needle for sure. Many thanks. Yes. That's dual use. Dual use. Yes. Well, I hope you all enjoy. Oh, we will, man. Oh, this is I great. actually think I'm going to like these tent sticks, man. <clears throat> yeah. What are they made out of? Uh, 7,000 series aluminum. Okay. And they're actually lighter than titanium V-stakes of the same size. Really? They look, I don't know why, but that's how you they know that, out. You know that like, thumb tab on the top? That's yep. looking oh, pretty nice. That's it's pretty nice. That's Could, big time. Couldn't, can I hammer these into like super hard-packed dry ground and that'd probably be pretty tough to okay know. just yeah. checking yeah. i'm just checking because that's just the, that nail stick you could i just want to know where and when i can use these things yeah that's know? for you that big okay. nail stake you could yeah. you could pound that with a hammer <laughs> okay cool. all day yeah. long yeah. we have definitely not reviewed a 10 stake this one that looks no. like a shoehorn yeah yeah no, we've definitely not reviewed one. Like well no, we glad i could help you out yeah but Excellent. that's that's the one that you could hit on the head with the hammer Hit on the head. The nail stick, not yeah. the not the horseshoe. Okay, the horseshoes shoe, shoe need horn. to go into like pliable, soft, plush ground. Yeah. Okay, just checking, man. Yeah. I'm just you know want to know what. You oh, should do I some see. testing around your testing facility known as your yard. Yeah, I might and get back <laughs> to Trail Stone Nation. I could do that. Yeah. You could. Yeah. Wow, thanks, Six Moon Design. Yeah, yeah. no problem. Yeah. These Can't are some nice tent sticks. I'm psyched because you know our what? collection is junk right now. Why don't yeah, we... And when we do our when I, we do our limited edition run of trail show tent sticks, we might have to get <laughs> six moon designs. <laughs> you to, should uh, you should call me. Yeah, we, as long as you can hit the MOQ, we'll make something work. We'll we'll do a collaboration <laughs> tent stake. You know, there we go. I mean, all I like we need is our logo on it. That's the only collaborating we need. And then yeah. you know, take we'll, it away. We'll send like ten thousand <laughs> trail show listeners your way to buy tent stakes. And I like this. Yeah, it sounds fantastic. <laughs> okay. Uh, while we're doing a little Six Moon Designs moment, okay. let's talk about the trail giveaway we're going to do for Trail Show Nation. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, what do we have? For Trail Show Nation, we have our new minimalist backpack. Ooh, look at that thing. <clears throat> it's uh, a 50 liter pack designed specifically for through hiking. It's uh, made out of aerobic fabric. It's, aerobic? Uh, Did aerobic. you just say aerobic? aerobic? What, aerobic. Is, what is aerobic? Aerobic. It's a nylon fabric. Okay. Similar to a Kedora, but not Kedora. So, like, Kedora is a brand. Yeah. Aerobic's a brand. Okay. But it's strong stuff. It's what uh, ULA, Gossamer Gear, we use. It's what most pack people use. Granite Gear. And uh, it's got some stretch pockets. It's got a place to hold your uh, hat and waterproof pocket. It can take a vest or a mm. hip belt. <clears throat> it almost, the shoulder straps almost look like a, a running this is, vest. This is our running vest. That's oh. what this is. This is our vest. D-Lo, you can keep D-Lo. your weed in you, there. Yeah, lots of pockets. D-Lo, you could put Swami's book in, in one that, of those pockets. In one of those pockets. <laughs> there you go. In one of those pockets. Actually, so, uh, I think you'd need two of these No need packs. for the digital download. <laughs> you'd need two of these no. packs if you're carrying Swami's yeah, book on so the trail. You, you one can... for your gear, one for his book. <laughs> you'd have to do some front packing. 
Yeah. Well, lucky with the vest, it's almost like front pack. Yeah, yeah that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that is a cool. I've never. That, that is a really yeah. ingenious design. I've never seen that incorporated into a lightweight backpack. Yeah. Can you, can you our, pass that this yeah, way? I want to yeah, pass it around. Pass it around. Um, Come on. So what we're gonna do so is you, wrap. Didn't, you didn't bring up one of these for each of us too. <laughs> no, just I, one for me. I did not. Just one just for one POD. POD, um, get your hands off that. But that series of backpacks are fast and light series. They can all take a uh, shoulder yoke, just a standard shoulder strap with pockets, or a vest. Oh, okay. So, so it's, it's optional. It's optional, yep. And uh, what we're doing for Trust Donation is we're going to raffle off this pack, um, and we will ship it to the winner configured to their correct sizes. So yeah. what they want, either shoulder or vest yoke, right size hip belt. Yep. And uh, I think... I think Triple O has the details of how we're doing this uh, Instagram giveaway. Can't wait, wait, wait. Bef- oh, before wait. Triple O. Oh, wait, before. I, I just want to say, the one thing I love in a backpack is good hip belt pockets. And yep. look at those Ample. hip belt pockets. Yeah. Well, what I'm thinking about when I look at this this vest design front yeah. is the bear spray. It's good for the bear spray. Yes. Well, yep. you know, I, yeah. I like to carry my camera right there, like on my sternum strap. So yep. that would be kind of a like a nice alternative. Because I was just too. thinking about like how am I going to attach my bear spray to the front of my shoulder pack? This this go for Idaho and I think we got you awesome. all set. What's the frame in here? I feel uh, so it has this Delron Delron loop, which is a plastic kind of fiberglass okay. loop that's like a light bulb in there. It terminates down in your spine, um, down your lumbar, so yep. it transfers the weight. Yeah, it actually comes out too, which yep. is what I did on the ODT because I used that pack. And oh, the you took the frame out. Yeah, yeah, I did because you love to carry three gallons of water with the frameless pack. Yeah, She's I, was a working, I was working She's on a my shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It is okay. Man, this is cool. Yeah, it's a really great pack. It's our newest pack design. Uh, Brandon Ron's son. Um, it's kind of the next generation. He designed that one. And, it's got uh, zippers, man. What's zippers, it? all sorts of stuff. So that's what we're giving away. Triple O uh, is, has the details how we're doing this contest. All right, Triple O. All right, all right. If you want to see this miracle of a pack, which is really actually is really cool. <laughs> we're, not just, we're not just saying that. All right, so here's what you got to do. First, you got to follow Six Moons Designs on Instagram yep. at Six Moons Designs. Yep. Then you got to follow the trail show on Instagram at the trail show boom bam <laughs> all right those are your first two steps your third step is to wait until you see a picture of the contest it will either be on the trail show instagram or six moons designs instagram yes but we're not going to tell you which because you have to follow us both it's a secret oh. then mm-hmm. you need to comment on the picture and tag two of your friends oh who you think might be interested in the contest as well and we'll select a name at random, from those who fulfill the obligations of the contest. When, yes. are, when are we going to announce the winner? What's the plan for yeah, that? What's the time well, frame? When will this uh, podcast come out? This podcast will come out in mid-February. So why don't we say... Right after Valentine's Day. Why don't Day. we say uh, March 1st we announce the winner? Okay. Because that'll give us two weeks. It's a short month. Okay. Yeah, two we weeks. We can do that. All right. Two weeks. Two weeks, people. And then you guys are going to ship the pack to the lucky person. Is that Yeah, right? so what we're going to do is when we announce the winner, we'll send you a DM and ask for you to email us, and we'll get your information, and we'll get you all set up in the system, and we'll size it out correctly and ship it out to you, and we'll probably throw in some other swag along with it when Ooh, we do. Ooh, 10 does it, does it come ten in stakes, other colors yeah. as well? Can trail show it comes co- in any color you want as long as it's gray. Can trail show oh, co- nice. Yeah. Yeah. Can trail show co-hosts <laughs> enter the contest? Yes, I would say that uh, it is fair to everybody. That's all right. So once again, gray area. Gray area yeah. Once again, yeah. just in trail case show legal. you were yeah. not writing this down, follow the trail show. Follow Six Moons Designs. Look for the picture. Then comment with two 
ads of your friends who would also like it. And that's all you got to do. And then you're in. You, may, you may have a great backpack yeah, and like for Flan. this upcoming summer. You'll have a fantastic backpack for an upcoming summer. If you win. If you what, win. What, cool does pack. This, what does this backpack retail for? Uh, $235. All right. Well, that's okay. an awesome giveaway. Yeah. We're stoked to have uh, Six Moon Designs <laughs> doing one of our first ever pack giveaways. Yeah. Well, here on glad the to be show. here. Excellent. All right. We've got an audio clip from Moon Kid. All right. The man has made it out of South America. He is now into Central America. And let's see where he's at, what he's up to. Hey guys, here I am in Costa Rica on the shore of the of the Pacific Ocean, and uh, I would like to start that small audio clip to just to listen a little bit the the sound of the sea because it's much better than the sound of the road anyway. And uh, I know that <laughs> currently in uh, in the USA don't have uh, such a good weather, so yeah, I would like to share with you that uh, holiday mood a little bit. That's a hell of an ocean. Makes me feel like taking a nap. <laughs> Going for a swim. Isn't it beautiful? Yeah. Just uh, the wow. sound of the sea, of the waves. Um, I started to run from uh, from Colombia, so what I, what I was saying in my last uh, in my last audio clip, and um, it got it got better and better. I. Um, of course, my body got used to it, even if at the beginning that that was quite difficult because, uh, well, even if I, I was in a good shape, I um, I uh, hadn't run for, I don't know, for one year and, and a half. So, yeah, my muscles had to, to get used to it and um, it needed a few time, but after a while uh, it got better and um, it was easier to, to run. And so I uh, found a good solution to, to get rid of my big backpack. I, um, I send it directly to, to the USA, where I, I will resume the, the walk in the aim to, to make the CDT. So, um, yeah, an American family helped me to, in the aim to send the, the, the big backpack in the USA. So, very generous people, and uh, thanks to their help, I am able to run right now, and uh, I am I am enjoying enjoying it very much because I feel very free, and um, that's a different way of travel. Of course, I'm uh, I'm all the time along the roads on the Pan American Highway, but um, still I have some time to to meet the people, to to enjoy the scenery, of course, to go swimming in the sea, or when I when I find a a nice river so even if I have, uh, I have a fast pace like 50 50k's uh, per day as, as an average sometimes it's more sometimes uh, 60 or even 70k's in a day even with that very high pace I'm I am able to enjoy it very much and um, I think yeah that kind of moment is a it's a good occasion for me to clarify that, that situation I even if, even if I'm very excited to get to the USA as soon as possible, or I mean, at least uh, soon enough to, to start the CDT um, in the right conditions, it doesn't mean that I'm, I'm um, sacrificing all that part of the, of the journey, not at all. 
So I wanted to clarify this a little bit. And um, also the fact that actually even if my, uh, my body is used to run longer distances now, it's quite complicated because of the heat during the day. I know, I know that in the USA it probably doesn't make any sense at all because, <laughs> because of the very, very low temperatures that you have currently in the USA. Or at least what I, what I saw on the TV. So I don't know if it's true in uh, Colorado too. But uh, here during the day it's very hot. And um, actually uh, the, the body's temperature just explodes when I start running. So it very quickly becomes absolutely unmanageable. Even if I, uh, I drink a lot of water and... Um, so I don't feel able to, to run during the, the hours in the day. So um, I, um, I take advantage of the, of the early or late hours where the sun is not so strong or even hidden. I often start uh, even before the sunrise. So yeah, that's a good way to keep going and to have long days. But yeah, that's, uh, that's all right. That's a different pace. and. Uh, I'm getting used to it and that's cool, that's cool, I'm enjoying, enjoying it very much. So, yeah, Panama, the first country in Central America, was quite, that wasn't very good experience actually because people were not very friendly, I have to say, I have to admit this. I was very sad about this, but uh, well, that's down and um, I, uh, I keep going up north here in Costa Rica, that people are, are very friendly as usually, so the proof is, uh, that's a proof that it was not only in my, uh, in my head, in my mind, that uh, in Panama that was uh, quite hard actually. So yeah, and I hope in Nicaragua, in, uh, in the following countries, I, I won't have any trouble for security and all that stuff. Colombia was not, was not a problem, I didn't, I didn't get any trouble actually. I was careful, of course, and um, to go, there is Daring Gap, I don't know if you heard about this very quickly, it's uh, like um, um, an area of uh, preserved virgin forest, which is between Colombia and Panama, so actually it's, it makes it like a natural border between South America and North America. And that's quiet and crossable. There is some uh, illegal immigration that goes through the forest, but it's, it's quite dangerous and you have to pay a lot of money to hire guides, to pay bribes and uh, for logistical issues and all that stuff. And so eventually I crossed uh, by boat and uh, a small flight to, to land in, uh, in Panama City. So. I uh, didn't really have the choice actually, so um, also uh, I was quite sad about this because I uh, really want, wanted to connect all the footsteps, but uh, at the same time that looks to be the, the wisest uh, decision that I could possibly make. So um, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's down and I keep going. I'm good and I hope you are. You are not suffering too much of the of the cold weather in the USA, and uh, that you can 
still enjoy the nature and uh, go hiking from time to time. See you. Ciao. Man, he must have been walking like right on yeah. the <laughs> yeah. water. Maybe in. Feet Maybe in the, his, water. in the water. Yeah. Finger yeah. in the water. Yeah, so he's he's running now. Yeah. yeah. He didn't catch well, that. That's interesting. Yeah, I, he sent his backpack to the USA. Uh-huh. And it's at somebody's house, and when he gets here, he's going to pick it up and then hike yeah. the CDT. So, so he's going to run know. through Central America and Mexico. That's his yeah. plan. Wow. Wow. I, I'm kind of curious exactly, like, what all he's still carrying, you know? Like uh, he's water. got a because photo he got, up, He got right? rid of a bunch yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, he, if you go that. to uh, the American Hike on Facebook, um, he's that's mo- mostly where he posts photos, also on Instagram. Um, he has a YouTube channel, and his videos are uh, quite good. And also, just FYI, he is on GoFundMe, so feel free to throw a few euros his way. Cause, um, pesos. Yeah, pesos. Like I said, he's a frugal kid for sure, and uh, anything that you give him, he's going to stretch to the max. So To the max. I encourage everyone to go donate a few euros to my friend, Moon Kid. Whoa. <laughs> all right, all good. <laughs> Apparently you back to me. Apparently yeah. you've got trail tip of the month <clears throat> this month. So let's talk. What do you have? All right. So actually the trail tip of the month this month actually harkens back to a very early day of the trail show with a trail trip by you, Disco. Yeah. That I think deserves a very special mention and uh a second round of being the trail tip, which is the beloved blue sponge. Hashtag oh, blue God. sponge. Uh, Triple Here o, we go again. Triple O hates the blue sponge. Really? Yeah. <laughs> if it wasn't for the blue sponge, I don't think I would have finished the ODT. Listen to that, Triple O. Listen to that. Tell it, us more. Oh, yeah. God, tell us more. Do you y- suffer from yeah, chafing and it. bad cases of clown mouth? <laughs> have you ever walked 500 miles through the desert without a proper shower? <laughs> <laughs> if so, do I get an answer for you? The blue sponge. The blue dish sponge. I mean, efficient use of water. You only need a little bit to be able to clean up your feet and legs and other things throughout the day or the end of the day. Um, So that's pretty good in the desert environment. I actually leave the blue scrubby side. You do? On. Yeah. Now talk to us about that. Because normally I try to get a blue sponge that is all sponge and no scrubby. Sounds scrubby. So the thing I noticed with the scrubby is it's really good for getting off like caked dirt and mud on your feet, uh, especially mm. in the Ooh, I desert. Bet it feels good. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. like a loofah. It's like exfoliating yeah. as you as you scrub on down. And you can use it for your cook pot. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. You know, I always Boy, say that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Start at the head, finish at the feet, and then do your pot. Uh, And you're good to go. It's your own natural body biome, so you should be fine. Yeah, it should be okay. Salty, did you use the blue sponge while you were out there? I did use a blue sponge, and it was wonderful. Did you use the same sponge? Yeah, was it the same sponge? Was it all the sponge? Did did the three of you share a single sponge? You need to come. They had different corners. I do not recall. I do not recall. (laughs) Were you traveling so light and carrying so much water that you could only afford to carry one sponge between the three of you? Tell um, the trail show nation. They also shared wet wipes. Ron, Ron did get Ron did get us each our own sponge in French Glen. Wow! However, it was there we learned that all that not all sponges are created equal. Yes. Oh. So that's something very important. I think you need yeah. to mention with this tip is you need to get the one that's like cellulose that looks like natural. Yeah. Natural sponge, not the thin foamy one like five pack at the dollar store. Right. Yeah. Those it, ones degrade in like 
four days. And the one thing yeah, I will say, the one good thing I will say about the TA is that the trail towns along the TA would have these extra large blue sponges. Yeah, they oh, were ridiculous. Yeah, they, it was incredible. It was like, it was like I had a, an entire like mop in my hand. That'd be and, fantastic. What and happens if the sponge is not blue? Then you see more of the funk. Man. Yeah, I wouldn't want yellow. You got to go with dark colors, and blue is the darkest one I've been able to find. I wish they made a black sponge, but I haven't yeah. encountered it. Or I'm a dark gonna, green. I'm actually yeah. going to carry one of those car sponges next time I go. Oh, on, that'd know, be great. <laughs> or like a big grout sponge for doing tile work. <laughs> just get, oh, just get a white one. It'll turn black eventually. It's true. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, and, and you all hiked. There was a third person on your hike, Yeah, swept right? away, yep. Okay, and she... She, actually, she wrote about the blue sponge on the Six Moon Designs blog or something. Actually, I I wrote that. that oh, article. you wrote it. I had to write all the copy for our blog as okay. part of my marketing job. But her, she is pictured and yeah. featured uh, in okay. that yeah, article yeah, yeah. with the blue sponge. With the blue sponge, it might have been her happiest resupply moment on the whole. H- ODT. How many uh, how many good blue sponges do you think an ODT hike requires? <laughs> I'd say two per person. One. <laughs> at, at least. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you hear it. I mean, they use this to successfully hike the Oregon Desert Trail in one month, 750 yeah. miles. Without the blue sponge, they wouldn't have made it. Get your blue sponge right now. D-Lo, D-Lo, D-Lo. Was somebody screaming into the microphone? Sorry. It wasn't me. Can we do salty snack right now? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So, it's time for some salt. So we had some question about about fasting this month. And well, and it's interesting because uh, Virgia uh, Moon Kid actually yeah. did a fast. All right, so so, so read read the Why question from the one listener, and I've got a, another question from Moon Kid, <laughs> but they both pertain to fasting. Dear Salty, I noticed in one of your Instagram posts you talked about fasting, and I did an um, American amount, in quotations, of research. Looks interesting and healthy, and I always thought fasting meant just not eating for days and days. I didn't realize there were different kinds. Anyway, it seems like it is really good for your cells, and I wondered if fasting is a good thing to do on trail, and if so, how in the hell could you do it? The thing I look forward to most is my bedtime snack of cashews and coconut flakes, and then I usually eat as I'm walking out of camp, which means I have about eight hours of not eating. I can't imagine going longer than that on trail. Please educate. Wolf Moon. Salty, before you answer that question, we also have... A question from Moon Kid about the same subject. And by the way, I have a have a question for the salty snack. <laughs> I don't know, salty, if you already have a question for this month or, well, otherwise it will be for the next month or the following one. But thank you very much in advance. I have to say that I really appreciate that that new section of the salty snacks snack. It's always very very interesting. <laughs> so my question <laughs> is about <laughs> fasting. Because I took a few days of rest in Panama City to in the aim to fast. Uh, so basically, I uh, I didn't eat at all during four days. I just drank some uh, plain water. I thought uh, I thought POD was going to have a heart attack when I, I told her. <laughs> so um, yeah, to explain a little bit more, I um, I did that uh, that fast in the aim. To well, first I have some, I had some digestive trouble, I had some um, some diarrhea basically. <laughs> so well, it, it worked very very well. I'm completely cured about that, of course. The second reason was 
that I wanted to clean up all my digestive system because um, I'm no longer cooking anymore at all so I eat basically what I find on the way and very often it's not some very good food <laughs> as Road you can kill. imagine sometimes it's uh, just junk food or yeah anyway what I find so I thought that would be a good idea to to reboot all my digestive system and the third reason was that I heard a lot of things about this I read a lot of stuff watched a lot of videos and particularly from a good friend of mine and uh, he told me that that was a good way actually to um, how to say that to re-energize to to give more energy to to your body so and what it worked quite well for me actually I, I feel in very in a very good shape physically and um, I would even say I feel really better than, than before even if of course I um, I have to be careful about this because um, there is probably uh, a placebo effect. So, yeah. Hmm. Anyway, my uh, my question is actually three questions. Oh so, my god! Um, the first question <laughs> what? is: uh, What's your opinion about fasting? Uh, what do you think about this uh, this practice? And um, I don't know if you already got into it i don't know if you got interested in fasting if uh, if you're a specialist or that second question could be a little bit sketchy but uh, i don't know if you would be able to explain to us what is actually the the process involved by uh, by fast fasting um, the physiological and biological process and uh, the third question is do you think that would be a good way a, a good idea, sorry. <laughs> I don't know what language I told, but it's not English. <laughs> Do you think that would be a good idea, sorry? When you are on the long haul for a long-distance hiker, during the hike, like uh, what, I, what I did, for example, to take a few zero days in the aim to, to, to fast, or before, after, to clean up your body, or I don't know. What do you think about this? Thank you very much. Ciao. Wow, the birds. Yeah. Yeah, we went on a okay. journey there. I, I went yeah, the <laughs> birds. <laughs> maybe, maybe you should just eat a blue sponge. So That's fasting. what I would do. <laughs> the right, scrummy so part. I don't know if you want to tackle Moon Kids' questions Go first or the listener or just like do it all at once. With it's kind of similar. Yeah, yeah, they're similar. Yeah, they're similar. So I'll, I'll just do them all at once. Um, I mean, a disclaimer before I answer the question I'm not a medical doctor, so. If you do something and it turns out poorly, please email your complaints to uh, legal at thetrailshow.com. <laughs> oh. um, yeah. Okay, so on to the question. Uh, so, I, I mean, the overall question is, like, is fasting a good thing on trail? And and then, you know, how would you do it? And also about, like, the, the physiology of it. So, um, is it a good thing on trail? Well, I mean, it could be, but it, it could also be really risky considering how many other stressors you're putting your body under, um, while you're hiking. And what I mean by that is, uh, so there, there are two, there are different kinds of fasts, first of all. So, um, what the first listener or the person who wrote in was referring to was intermittent fasting, which means, uh, compressing your feeding window. So like within any 24 hour period, it would mean fasting, say, like 12 to 14 or 18 or more hours and only having a feeding window of, you know, like 10 hours or eight hours or whatever. So it's not necessarily eating fewer calories, but it's compressing the feeding window. 
Um, so that's intermittent fasting, but there are other kinds of fasts, like alternate day fasting or extended fasts, uh, like the one that Moon Kid refers to. Um, and there's different benefits that come with different fasts. So like, what are the potential benefits? And one of them could be, like he said, like Moon Kid was talking about, was clearing out his digestive system. And that's a really that's a really good one because essentially it's um, an extreme form of like an elimination diet, right? You're eliminating any potential allergens or anything that could be inflammatory in your diet. So fasting is a great way to do that. You see animals do that, you know, in, in the wilderness when they're sick, they just stop eating usually. Yeah, it's a really natural response when you're trying to clean out your system. So I think it's great for that. Um, other potential benefits, and there's a ton of research that's been going on around intermittent fasting. I'm sure people have heard of it um, and diff- all sorts of different forms of fasting. But um, so it can improve immunity, uh, mental clarity, concentration. It can support fat loss. Uh, of course, it lowers your blood insulin levels because you're not constantly taking in food, which is one of the major benefits of it. Um, increased energy. And a really big one, and this ties into the physiology piece, is that increases this process known as autophagy, which is basically like taking out the cellular garbage. So it allows your body to have the energy to like recycle damaged cells and like take out any, yeah, basically like any like damaged parts of the cell and clean it out so it functions better. And I think that's a huge reason why people end up feeling a lot better afterwards. Yeah. And then there's other um, like metabolites and hormones that um, like... I won't get into like the biochemical pathways and stuff like that, but certain things that are upregulated or downregulated when you fast that also help produce these benefits. Hmm. Um, so, I mean, the physiology is a little bit, and the biochemistry is a little bit much to get into uh, at this point. And then, in terms of doing it on a long hike, well, let me, yeah, let me get into the risks also. <laughs> Um, I thought you were were signaling me with that carrot. (laughs) POD has interrupted her intermittent Uh, fasting, and she's eating carrots Um. right now. No, like I mentioned, it's a fasting is a stressor on the body. It Um, is a small amount of stress on the body is good. I mean, exercise is a stressor on the body, um, but we're also putting our bodies under a lot of other stress when we're on a long hike, like eating crappy food or not sleeping enough or hiking for twelve hours a day. Um, Right, so. The body does well under a little bit of stress, like you exercise a little bit and recover, you get stronger, but under a lot of stress, like that, that chronic stress breaks down the body and that's what's damaging. So you kind of have to weigh like how much stress your body is already under and if a fast is worth it or not. Um, so that's what I'd say about that. Like if you already have adrenal stress or your hormones are, are not totally balanced, I wouldn't stress or I wouldn't fast like while you're hiking. But if you were going to do, so I'd say for most people, fasting on a long hike is not a good idea. But if you were going to do it, I I would do it like Mooncat did it and take a few days off and stay in town okay. and fast there. Like I wouldn't bother doing intermittent fasting on a long hike unless, I mean, of course, it always comes back to listen to your body. Like if your body is, if you're doing it and you feel good, okay. And, and I would keep the fasting window shorter, like um, like only 12 to 14 hours instead of like 18 hour fasts. So I would um, like keep the fasting window shorter if you're going to do it intermittent fasting on a day-to-day basis. But if you're going to do like some sort of longer fast, I just do it in town or wait and do it at home. And then if you know that's something you want to do on trail, I'd also suggest like getting your body adapted to it beforehand. So yeah, and and, I mean you can do that by just practicing at home, like building up that fasting window, um, exercising in a fasted state, which helps you become fat adapted, so you can rely more on your body fat than on glucose. Um, for fuel so getting your body prepared for that in advance would be a good idea too okay so, yeah spes did you have a question uh i did but she kind of answered it i was i was gonna ask whether you know 
if someone's looking to gain the benefits of fasting, whether it might be a, a better idea to uh, to plan on doing that before beginning a hike as part of like a training or preparation regimen. Yeah, definitely. Um, because it can take, I mean, to become, to train your body to rely more on fat as fuel than glucose, um, I've heard it takes like three to four weeks is what I've read. Hmm. So training your body in advance to do that, it's going to make it less painful hmm. once you're actually doing it on trail. Because, you, again, your body's under so much stress on trail. Right. So, okay. Yeah. I'd say for most people, don't bother intermittent fasting on trail. It's probably not worth it. And it could probably have more harm than good. Um, okay. But if you are going to do something like that, then do it like Moon Kid did. Take nice job, Moon Kid. Days and, off. Uh, and, and about pooping. Um, so, like, I grew up Muslim, and, and I always noticed that during the first few days of fasting, that was always, like, the transition period. But, like, towards the end of those first few days, I'd get some really just foul, gross <laughs> poops. <laughs> mm. Really? Right, which makes sense, because your body is, like, finally, like, cleaning out some of that older stuff that's just been, I mean, like, stuck in there, <laughs> essentially. Like, it finally has the energy to, like, yeah. process all that garbage oh and get it out. Yeah. Yeah, I went and I actually wrote a blog post about this um, in response to the questions that I put on my website. So oh, if we'll people post wanna, a link. Yeah, if you want to go yeah. there for more info, I thought I would start doing that with the salty snacks, is just making them a blog post so people can refer to the answers. Oh, that's awesome. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's a good right. question. I love it. Uh, follow up question: How? What's the uh, what's the status of your class that you're offering online? Oh yeah, thanks for asking. I'm so excited. I've been working on it <laughs> so much, like 12 to 14 hours every day. Oh. Um, yeah, so it's it's set to launch. I haven't set a date yet, but it'll be like the third or fourth week of February. Um, and if you want to stay updated about when that is, um, just get on my email list. And so, Dilo, you're going to get updated because you're already on that, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I already got a lot of spam today. Excellent. <laughs> it's working. SaltySnacks.com. <laughs> SaltySnacks.com. I should, I should start that. You should. <laughs> wow. Oh, what is that? Man, we got some music here. Oh, that's, that's my... That's my... Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. your music. And that is your cue to wrap it up. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's good. Yeah. So it's... I think we covered last time. It has several different modules, and it's called Adventure Ready, and it basically covers how to take your health... Um, from like where you are in, in kind of like a winter state or maybe an off season state and to optimize it for whatever you have planned for the summer. So if it's um, any kind of hike, you know, it's really geared towards hiking, but it could really be good for any kind of adventure that you have planned. So it goes through um, dialing in your diet and it actually has a whole thing about like um, not fasting per se, but an elimination <coughs> diet or course where you can find any, um, you know, food intolerances, anything like that. It takes you through a movement module um, and actually Anish is writing the movement module for it. So she does personal training. So she cool. Yeah, has a lot of good advice for that. Go from all good state to salty state. Exactly. <laughs> Whoa, you just, just kidding. Sorry, you just dissed on our oh, guest. Come on. <laughs> I am. Come on. I am the Tommy Boy long distance yeah. hiking. It's okay. Doesn't bother me. It, it's it's, 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 it's endearing about me. It's fine because when we hiked together, it was Tommy Boy and yeah. Grandma Gatewood. So. <laughs> salty would tell you, I'm like a dumpy car with a souped up engine in it too. Like you pull up at the light, you're like, look at that POS, and then they just burn on. Out, I mean, <laughs> that's my lot, so it's okay. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for uh, tackling all those questions, yeah. and we'll we'll uh, when your course goes live, we'll post a link. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And I did almost have a heart attack when uh, Moon Kid told me he was not eating because I was just worried about right. him because he's so. He's so already small. so thin, and he's yeah. like, oh, I haven't eaten in two days, and I was like, Why? What's wrong with you? Yeah. And yeah. Like, I'm no, I'm fasting, and I was like, Okay. I'm glad he just took the time off and like sat yeah. still and did it instead of hiked and fasted. Yeah. So, yep. 
All right, we've got a media review this month. We talked about it when we first talked to Cam Honan, a.k.a. Swami, about book number one, which was called Wonderlust. He's got a new book out. It's the sequel. It's called The Hidden Tracks, Wonderlust Off the Beaten Path. And we've got a copy here in our hands. We're calling Swami halfway across the world. He's in Australia, ladies and gentlemen. All the way down under. The trail show spares no expense with our Skype account. We're calling halfway across the world for free. I would say it's all the way across the world. We might even play a prank on him. Is that that new Foster's? <laughs> wow. Whoa. Hello. 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 Can you guys hear me? <laughs> Swami, what's up, man? Wait, were you just calling us? <laughs> I was not. Um, I get the distinct feeling that all of you are in your cups by now. It's like 8 30 there in public. <laughs> yeah, we're doing all right. Let me tell you who's in the room. So it's it's me, Disco. We've got all good. What's up? Salty. We've got Seriously, you let LaRue you let LaRue. Yeah, LaRue is here. Show. Special forty one, <laughs> D Lo. We've got right. out of order, POD, and we've got Zul's in the house, Biggie's in the house. It's a full house, Swami. Jeez, all right, all right. The pressure's on. Okay, let's go, let's go. Well, you're in, <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're in Australia right now, correct? Yeah, that's right. I'm, on, I'm only on my, like, fifth or sixth beer. It's only sort of midday over here, so I've been mean, way behind you guys. Do you have Foster's at church instead of wine? Is that what they serve? Because we figured it was midday. You just got back from service. Yeah, look, I mean, I'm not going to talk about church service exactly, but, but yeah, look, I'm not going to... There is fosters. Well, actually, we often keep a keg just sort of near, near the pulpit. <laughs> the services, you know, services can run a bit, a little bit longer. You know, when the priest just starts rambling on, folks, and it's summer in Australia, so people do get a bit thirsty. So, um, hmm. yeah, Fair we enough. do have a keg but, on tap. Yeah. By the way, we've heard that you guys are having one of the hottest summers on record right now, and there's bushfires and all kind of madness going on. Is that correct? Man, it's it's unbelievable. Even by Australia's lofty standards, uh, it's been an absolute scorcher of a summer. Uh, pretty much all throughout um, the eastern states, including Tasmania, which, generally speaking, is one of the mm. the wettest places you can imagine. And uh, even down there in the in the southwest part of the the state, it's just been bone dry, which is it's just bizarre. But yeah, it, it's it's been an incredible summer. Before we get into what hikes you have or haven't been doing, because I know you've been in the Australian Alps recently, we've got your book here, your second book, The Hidden Tracks, Wanderlust Off the Beaten Path from Gestalton. We recently got a copy here at the Trail Show to review, and we've been thumbing through it this evening. Talk to us a little bit about, you know, why, why a second book? Wasn't there enough trails in the first book to cover everything? <laughs> and also, when's the third one coming out? <laughs> well, okay, first question. Um, the, <laughs> I think we just scratched the surface. I mean, I think the first book had like 32, 32 likes. The second one has 29. And I mean, there's literally, I mean, as, as all you guys already know, there's hundreds and hundreds all around the world. So I feel like we're just sort of beginning. And, uh, and, the, and the second one, probably where it, it differs a little bit from the predecessor is that, as the name, the title suggests it, focuses more on on hikes that maybe aren't uh, routes and trails which aren't maybe quite as well known and uh 
you know, once again, but through uh, all different regions around the world. Um, some of the hikes I put together myself over the last couple of decades. There's other ones that, like the Mount End circuit in Tassie or the Pyrenean Hout route in uh, in France and Spain that might be sort of well known in their respective regions, but still to the the greater backpacking world, sort of are still, you know, not quite as um, recognized as some of the more famous routes. You know, I noticed here in God's Country, you guys featured the Hayduke Trail, and I love the photos from it. But there was also a trail out in California called the James Irvin and Miners Ridge Loop. I've never heard of this in my life. I've hiked all over California. Where the heck is that? I I know nothing about that trail. What is it? (laughs) <laughs> well, that's well, that's the thing with this book, like 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 his predecessor. It really is a combination of you know you've got your day hikes, you know, which are all family friendly, and then you've got your sort of you know three four day excursions and your longer hikes like the Hayduke and you know the CDT. The 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 James Irvine is just one of the primo hikes you can find there in in the redwoods, and I think it runs uh, you know less than twenty kilometres or eleven twelve miles, and it in, encapsulates not only the redwoods themselves but it also drifts down to the coast and one of the most remote beaches there in, in California. And, uh, and then it actually, on the way back, uh, when you're completing the loop, it goes through this area that was featured, I think it was the second Jurassic Park movie. Uh, uh, I, I think I might have only seen the first one, but it was in the second one. <laughs> <laughs> like the whole, this whole Fernline Canyon. And, uh, but like for 17 kilometres or 20 kilometres or whatever it is, it really what, What's that in miles? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come on, come on, Swami, man. Know your audience, okay. please. Okay, for all your Americans and the people from Myanmar and Liberia, the only <laughs> <laughs> that runs about eleven or twelve miles, give or take, or yeah, somewhere in that region. But uh, actually, in regards to the Hayduke, I will just say, the guy who, who uh, provided a lot of the photos for the Hayduke is a, is a friend of some of you guys, uh, Ryan Choi. Oh, yeah. yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. So um, that was actually one of the cool things, like having mates like Ryan um, contribute images to, to, to the book. So uh, there's a whole, well, not a whole bunch, but probably five or five or six of um, long-distance hikers who have yeah, contributed images to but, this, but this section. Swami, Swami, this book is just it's, it's so big. How am I supposed to carry it with me when I hike the Hayduke? Like, like it's too big for that, man. What's what's the deal? Got a digital version? What's the deal? No, man? no, no, no digital versions. No, they're definitely not. I mean, they're not guidebooks. They're oh, more. Oh, oh. Yeah, oh. sorry, dude. I, look, yeah, I know you're an ultralighter these days, mate. But no. <laughs> well, he, he's used to instructions with pictures. Yeah, yeah. like for, like Lego instruction yeah. things. It's sort you know? of. Uh, yeah. I think of them as like idea. They're idea generators. Yeah, totally. You know, mm. sort of Dream makers. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So like, and they're just an ode to some of these beautiful natural places around the world that sort of just gives people an idea of, oh, geez, look at this place in Siberia. I wouldn't mind going there. And then they can research it after that, you know. And uh, right. and that's often been the way it's been over the years. Like you see a photo in a National Geographic totally. or a book somewhere and, and, and that'll the snowball will start rolling. Yep. And next thing you know, You'll be wandering through sand dunes in Mongolia. So, like, this or isn't drinking wow. beer in a basement. Yeah. yeah so, yeah, this isn't like a, a a guidebook. This is like a coffee table book, huh? It's a dream maker book. It's, yeah. None of us have actually looked at the book. That's so not true. That's You're not the only true. one who hasn't looked at it. Don't listen to him. Actually, I've been looking at it tonight. You're right, Pod. I, yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, it's, it's definitely um, more of a catalyst than a guide. Nice. Yeah. It's cool though because, you know, the the thing is, is that. 
a lot of us see photos on Instagram and social media that inspire us to look at other types of trails, but still I think our network is somewhat limited to, you know, some of the more well-known trails and even even the ones that we get introduced to become kind of more well well-known, but you know, we just interviewed um uh L train about the the uh what what's the proper pronunciation? Dinarica. The Dinarica. Via Dinarica. And then that's like another one that we'd never heard of. And and so I think it's cool that books like this come out that have so many, not just name the trail, but also really inspiring photos that, you know, encourage you to seek out some other information and other routes. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Look, it definitely, um, I guess in putting them together, for me too, it, uh, it was something a little bit different because, I mean, with the website and some of the presentations I've done over the years, I, I guess sometimes I get the feeling that I'm sort of almost preaching to the choir in that, uh, you know, most of the people that go on the hiking life are sort of, they're already hikers or, or long-distance backpackers and they're looking for something a bit different. But these books almost, that well, they do, they, they reach a different demographic or audience and, and you know, like people who, who maybe have, have dreamed about going to these places but had never thought about the idea of maybe exploring them on foot. And, uh, and I think that's one of been one of the coolest things about putting these books together is just that maybe, you know, there'll be some people out there who might be, you know, just have wanderlust or dreamers or whatever that they think, well, wow, I can go out and see these magical, you know, landscapes around the world and I can do it on foot with everything I need on my back. And, uh, you know, I think it's also yeah. great, too, that it, it allows access for people who won't ever be able to go to some of these places, whether it's from age or injury or uh, finances. ability or finances or Backyard whatever projects. it may be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, honestly, it's nice to sometimes just check out places that even if you know you're never going to go, just to know that they're out there yeah. and they're wild and, and see they're the cool. Photos. And, There's yeah, some it's just fun. Interface. And, and I will say that Salty and I, we uh, snuggled up and looked at this book together quite a while ago. <laughs> And it inspired us to do a bunch of research on camels. Do you remember this? I do, clearly. We spent like an hour and a half on the internet yeah. after looking at one of the pictures in there about all the different types of camels. And yeah. hmm. it was cool. Oh, well. Okay, yeah. Well, actually, here's a little bit of trivia. Um, Australia, like camels aren't native to Australia. Right. But I think Australia has the world's biggest camel population. They do. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is uh, probably one of the few few examples of actually like a, you know, a, a a species of fauna being introduced to a place and it wasn't all bad. One of the hikes you guys featured in here is the Salar de Uyuni in Bolivia. And yes. we had, yes. um, as you probably know, we've, we've a friend of ours, Moon Kid, has been walking across the Americas and he walked right through the middle of Salar de Uyuni. And it's pretty cool to see the photos in Hidden Tracks. And there's actually, there's a one photo of you looking quite, Quite like you're about to rob a bank. I, I'm not sure uh, <laughs> what you've got going on here, but it looks like you're completely protected from the sun and maybe the wind. Mate, it's colder than a witch's you know, salad at uni. Um, during the winter, it's really cold. Like it, you know, we're in, talking... in Fahrenheit, how cold is a witch's? <laughs> <laughs> well, look, <laughs> a witch's... Generally speaking, you're looking at minus 15 to minus 25 degrees Fahrenheit on the witches' wow. feet. Wow, that's cold. That's, right. that's cold. And that's, you know, and then you've got the wind chill. And because it's literally the world's flattest place, like it's a, there's an altitudinal variation of less than one meter in the whole region. 
and uh, three feet. So there's literally nothing to protect. There's no <laughs> natural wind blocks, and uh, so it's ab- it can be absolutely freezing during winter, but it's a it's a landscape like literally wow. no other. Did, it, did you feel phenomenal. taller when you were there? <laughs> Is that well, Swami towing a cart? No, seriously. Yeah. I mean, just because of the yeah. flatness, like I mean, it, like the horizon would almost seem further away. You know? I feel like it would make you feel small. <laughs> really, I feel like, like it would squished make you, like or tiny, something. but also tall. I think it's one of those things. Like you, you look around, like there's points when you're out, sort of way out in the middle, and you look around, and it's just it's just this sea, this never-ending sea of white salt crystals, and just sort of ending in the bluest of blue horizons. And it's just, I guess, it does make you well feel small. <laughs> Did, really. <laughs> when you were out there, did you happen upon any Andean flamingos? Uh, not in that area. There's other parts of that region where you do, like Laguna Colorado, Laguna Hedionda. There's a whole bunch of lakes where you see these flamingos. They're incredible animals. I mean, I mean, everyone often associates uh, flamingos with Florida, you know, and balmy temperatures. But in the Andes, you've got these flamingos that live to... You know, they're up at four, four and a half thousand meters, five thousand meters. So that in American speak, uh, fifteen to seventeen thousand feet. Dang, and, wow. And we're talking temperatures once again around minus twenty, minus thirty. And so uh yeah, they're they're incredible animals. Do they have uh, plastic flamingos in the in the stores? Like like in Florida you can buy them and stick them in front of your house and your trailer and stuff? <laughs> Do they do that up there in the Andes? No, they actually oh, have okay. plastic Floridians. Plastic Floridians. Oh, uh, <laughs> of course. Swami, talk, talk South to Beach us. South Beach has plastic Floridians, too. <laughs> Swami, talk to us about Okon Island in Russia. That's one of the hikes <laughs> featured here. And I, I, I know nothing about hiking in Russia or Okon Island. <laughs> That's a place I stayed on for about two weeks in 2009. I was journeying across um, Russia by train. And I stopped off in Siberia for a few weeks, and a lot of that time was spent. Yeah, as you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, (laughs) it's it's the biggest island in Lake Baikal, which Ah, for those who did that's cool. Lake Baikal, and this this blows my mind. Twenty-two to twenty-three percent of the world's fresh water is in Lake Baikal, in the one lake. Wow! All of the fresh water in the world, twenty-two to twenty-three percent, is in this one lake. That is pretty mind-blowing. That's incredible. That's crazy. It really is. And it just, um, oh, it's just an amazing, it's this huge inland sea. And and, and Okon Island is, is the biggest uh, island there. And it's populated by these um, uh, native people who call the Buryats. And there's like this, this history of shamanism, which is really fascinating. So I thought when I was there that, oh. once again, as you do, I thought, oh, it'd be cool to walk the length of the island. And, Why not? Uh, You're already there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I so mean, you know, you're I not going to make it back anytime soon, right? I mean, you might as well. Exactly. And uh, so that was one of the hikes. I sort of I managed to sort of uh, convince Gestalton that it should be in the book. Now, uh, now, did you eat some good fish out of that lake? Uh, did they have a variety of interesting <laughs> fish? Did. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It also has the world's only freshwater seal. I didn't eat any of the seals. Really? Freshwater yeah. seal? Hmm. Yeah. Wow. Well, only seal lives in uh, Lake Baikal. Are they, are they like protected or something or why didn't uh, you eat well, it? In Russia, in Russia protected is probably relative. Yeah, I think it's considered bad form. 
yeah, to do anything to them. Fair, fair enough. Now, Swami, I noticed that two hikes in New Zealand are featured in the hidden tracks. Yet, what? Neither one of the two are Tiaroa. Could you speak to that? <laughs> Look, mate, I know how you and Pod have, in particular, have a soft spot for the TA, <laughs> and I tried to convince Gustafson to put it in there, but no, nah, it was just a no go. They were smarter so than that. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, those two particular hikes are two of my favourites. And the Dusky Track is situated not far from, you know, the, the world-famous Milford Track, but it receives only like a fraction of the people who, who, who go on the Milford Track. Anyone can lob up and do it. It's, um, you know, there's great huts along the way. And just, I mean, it's one of the world's wettest and muddiest hikes. But if you happen to get a couple of days' worth of sunshine, it's just, an absolute stunner hiking through Fiordland there what, in New Zealand. Wait a minute, did you just say, oh, it's one of the world's wettest and muddy and muddiest hikes, but, <laughs> but if you happen to get a good day, it might be okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I mean, you've got to take the good with the bad, mate. Um, <laughs> what, what is it? Uh, uh, adapt, appreciate uh, something? Yeah. Exactly. Accept, Except, adapt, and appreciate. adapt, appreciate. Those are the ones that... The three A's, yeah, yeah. Yep. And the good thing about the Dusky is that, um, yeah, this, I mean, as you guys know, that New Zealand has this wonderful hut system. And I tell you what, they're never more appreciated than in, um, <laughs> in Dusky. I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> Swami, we're getting some visual uh, challenges on that statement right there in the in the room here. No, no, no. They yeah. do, they have an, it is true, they have an extensive hut system with over 900 huts, if that is what you're there into. You yeah. yeah, but yeah, they're, yeah, yeah. they're, I mean, yeah, it's what what you're into. That you have to sleep with a ton of people snoring and farting and getting well, up at all times. So and it's also, like camping with me. And yes, yeah, <laughs> like in your tent with, with Whitney. <laughs> and also, some of those huts, some of those huts are so gross. They're so mousy, even though they're fully enclosed. <laughs> and also, there was this one hut that we had to wear our rain gear inside because the uh, <laughs> the sand flies the sand flies were so bad inside the hut. You. Yeah, we blame that on you, Swami. That's your fault. For folks that are more interested in this, we're actually going to do a whole bonus show where all they do is complain about the TA. <laughs> Tune in for that later. We already, we already did a regular show. I know, but you know, we need another one. That's true. Just, just let it be noted that I actually, I mean, you guys listened to Buck 30 in regards to the TA. It's true. I tried to convince you not to do it before you went out there. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, we'll never take advice from Buck 30 ever again. Ever. Ever. It's the defense of the Dusky. The huts on the Dusky are all pretty nice from what I remember. And um, and you hardly get anyone do- doing it because it is quite a tough track. So they're rarely full. In fact, I think I only, I mean, it, except for one or two, they were empty when I was there. So, uh, so yeah. Were you there like in the height of the season or were you there kind of off season? No, no, I was there in okay. the height of the season right. in 2010. So it's, well, they're um, not going to be empty anymore now that they've been mentioned on the trail show. <laughs> trail show bump. Swami, talk to yes. us about the Mount Anne circuit in Tasmania. I notice that's also featured in the hidden tracks. The Mount Anne circuit, yes. It's, uh, well, you know, when people first think of Tassie, they think of uh, the Tassie. Overland track is probably the most famous one. Yeah. Uh, um, and then you, even this one they've got out now, the Three Capes, and, and they're nice hikes. But, um, you know, if you get down to the southwestern part of the state, uh, you know, except when it's going through unusual droughts like it is now, um, there's just a plethora of different options down there. And the Mount End Circuit's probably one of the, the less known ones. It's, it's, it's one which is a bit more accessible to folks as far as, 
You don't have to be some sort of, you know, super fit, experienced hiker to do it. It's only three days, uh, but you go through, you know, some absolutely stunning parts there of the Southwest National Park. Have you have you seen a Tasmanian devil? I have. I've seen a number of them. Really, on the on this track or on a different different hike? On on different tracks. Yeah, I must admit I didn't see one on the mountain track. Wow. Do they spin counterclockwise or clockwise when they're spinning <laughs> in a little tornado? <laughs> 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 we're gonna we're gonna need an answer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next question. <laughs> uh, is there anything else about the hidden tracks that we should know, or you want to get out there? You know, the reception of the first book was awesome. The the Wonderlust. I think you guys have also seen that one. Um, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. That one's now in. Uh, it's available in English, German, French, and and in the next few months in Japanese and Italian as well. Really? So, um, yeah, like it's been, it's just been amazing the reception, and hopefully the hidden tracks looks like it's following suit, and, and it really seems to have resonated with folks. So, look, you know, if you're looking for some ideas for some different hikes around the world, and uh, you know, with some, and and look, um, the photos are really what sets these books apart. Like they're just stunning images, and uh, so if you're looking for, you know, some ideas for different hikes around the world, then yeah, pick up a copy. Yeah, I noticed yeah. here in the U.S. Uh, on Amazon, um, you can get the hidden tracks. Can people go through your website to get a copy, or what would you recommend? Yeah, look, they can go through my website or through the Gestalten website if they're in Europe. I know how how big a, an audience you guys have in Europe. Oh, huge. Big time. Huge in Germany. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're like the Beatles. Everybody be sure like to use uh, coupon code uh, trail show to get nothing off that purchase. <laughs> <laughs> You guys are like the David Hasselhoff of the hiking podcast. <laughs> you mean like the, the good one or like the drunk eating cheeseburgers in the shower one? Oh, Which no. David Hasselhoff? No, no, the good the, one. The guy, the guy that used to be a Knight Rider. Okay. Oh, that David uh, Hasselhoff. Right. Suave and good looking. Yeah. Knight Rider one. Uh, <laughs> All right, folks. Swami's website is thehikinglife.com. This second book is called The Hidden Tracks, Wanderlust, Off the Beaten Path. Swami, thanks so much for Skyping in from Australia tonight. We really appreciate it, and we would encourage everyone to go get a copy of The Hidden Tracks. Hey, no worries. Great talking to you all, and uh, look, hope to catch up with uh, some of you, if not most of you, sometime during 2019. Sweet. Well, come all on right, over, mate. man. All right. Look the at, wall see you at the gathering. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Swami. Have a good one, man. <laughs> you guys too. Cheers. Adios. Peace. Ito. And there he goes, ladies and gentlemen, Cam Swami He just he jumped just... into the marsupial pouch. All right, let's. Uh, we got a, one more media review yeah, tonight. Yeah, let's talk about it. It's a two for two media for... review yeah. evening here at the Trail Show. Okay, in addition to Swami's book, we also reviewed a film called Wildland, and it's about wildland firefighters. Um, you can get info at wildlandfilm.com. All of us watched the film in the room. Yes. 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 No. Yes. No? Yes. Oh, well, yeah, all good salty haven't seen it, but everyone else has. We did. Yes. Yes. Um, Yes. (laughs) So a brief, you can watch the trailer at wildlandfilm.com, but a brief synopsis is, you know, the the film's about an hour and 15 minutes long, and it follows um, a couple members of a a private contract wildland firefighting crew uh, from Grayback Forestry that are based out of Oregon. 
correct? Yeah, I believe they're Ashland area. Yeah, Ashland area. And it, it's interesting. Like, uh, I briefly worked as a wildland firefighter. I did a lot more work in the prescribed burning realm than in the wildland firefighting realm. But I did enough in the wildland firefighting realm that, like, I could definitely relate to uh, at least the boredom that's a big part of wildland firefighting. Um, and he actually wrote down this quote. One of the guys that was instructing their crew, he said, firefighting is just long hours of hard, boring work punctuated by moments of sheer terror. <laughs> and <laughs> luckily for me, I Sounds never... like the trail show. I never, <laughs> <laughs> I never had the moments of sheer terror, and I'm fine with that. I don't want to be in a sheer terror situation when, like, 200-foot fl flames are involved. But the, the long, hard hours of boring work, yeah... There's a lot of that. I mean, a lot of these crews go out for 14, 18-day stints, and then they're off for four days. And, you know, you're not, you're not like, actively fighting fire for 14 days in a row, all right? You're, some of it's filling time. Like, you right. know, you're sharpening mm -hmm. your tools. You're getting your gear ready for your next, you know, active deployment when you're on a fire line. But anyway, I, I don't want to start waxing poetic because there was yeah. a little bit of that Please in the don't. movie, as some will attest. Uh, but anyway, what did you guys think of the film? Well, I, I thought uh, I really enjoyed um, I, I enjoyed the film. And I, I did like I thought that the people who were in the film did a good job of being themselves, even though it was probably strange to have a camera crew following them and in their faces. A couple of things that that stood out to me randomly was the amount of smoking. Yeah, like they're like inhaling all that dust and ash, and then even live smoke. Y yeah, and then they're like smoking between like digging trenches, and I was just like, oh my god, these guys are gonna die! And like, smoke's getting to me, boss. I got to take a smoke yeah, I break. Know, it was crazy. <laughs> and I also just randomly appreciated uh, that one of the characters was reading a Ray Bradbury book, oh, and that just yeah. kind of oh. made its way into the film. And Dan like, they dandelion wine. Yeah, which really? I've never read it. I, I'm going to read it just because of the, the film kind of got me interested in it. I know it's an older book. It is very old. You've read it. Uh, yeah. I don't think that I've read the whole thing, to be honest. But my brother was really into Ray Bradbury, and I idolized my oldest brother when I was young. And so okay. I was into everything that he was into. So, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I thought it was pretty good. And I did think it was a little dramatic sometimes. But uh, I also appreciated when they were doing the interviews with people you know, and, and um, you know, some of the people had tough stories and stuff, but they were like, I don't know. It just seemed so random, kind of, the, the interview process. You know, they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't the, know. The thing that caught me about that whole process, like, and, and I would submit, you know, this followed a, a privately contracted wildland firefighting crew. And, and I would submit that, that private crews are a really small proportion of the wildland firefighters that are out fighting the big fires every summer. Like yeah. most of those crews are with the BLM or the U S forest service or with a state agency or some other public entity. And it's kind of unique to actually like, okay, let, let, let's get, you know, let's put cameras in, embed cameras with this private contract crew and um, I, I would also submit, like, you know, there was a lot of questions during the interview process about, like, criminal records and that kind of thing. And yeah, that's not the norm. I, I'll just throw that out there. Like, you know, a, a number of things, like, were, were a little different. bit out of the yeah. ordinary and different about that crew and, right. like, that Same. piece of wildland firefighting. What would you guys think? 
Man. The thing that struck me about it was just the incredible physical toll yeah. that oh, this man. takes on a human being. Um, yep. You know, POD touched on the lungs and the inhalation, but also just the the, the heavy work. Um, it's just brutal. I it's mean, toil. You could, you could, this is not a, a long-term career. <laughs> You're no. not going to work, work it, this kind of job for 40 years. You know, and so, some of them were actually making reference to that in the uh, in the film itself. They're talking about, you know... I. My body's got a limited lifespan on on doing this kind of work, yeah. or you know, I thought I was in shape, but I'm I'm really struggling. So yeah, it's brutal work. I mean, you're you're you've got a hand tool, and you're hacking fire line into the ground, and you're breathing in dust and smoke and debris, and way worse for your lungs than smoking a pack of cigarettes. And a then day. they smoke like, on top of it. And <laughs> they do this every day. Ugh. For two weeks at a clip with four days off, and then they keep doing it again all summer long. <coughs> yeah, it made you cough just thinking about it. I also it. thought about the hotel rooms. When they would go get hotel rooms, I was like, man. There was one episode or one portion of uh, of it where they were in uh, a hotel room, and they were like smoking, smoking and drinking and stuff. I was like, you guys are going to get an extra charge on your credit card. Well, I was just thinking how <laughs> dirty their clothes must be. And oh, how, filthy. Yeah. Like, Completely filthy. Way worse than a thru-hiker. Yeah. Dilo? I liked the movie. I thought it was very entertaining. I, I watched it one night, and I was thoroughly enjoyed it and was brought into the the fabric of what they're doing in their lives and everything, and I, I, I liked it. I thought it was great. I definitely saw these people in the movie as people who were kind of on their last legs and just looking for something, anything that could be a challenging career, something that could be fun, something that could be worthwhile, and... It, it looked like, you know, when they were, you talked about questioning their criminal records. It's like a lot of these people were kind of on the fringe of society, kind of forgotten. They fell through the cracks. They weren't succeeding. And this job seemed to be an opportunity to do something worthwhile for them, which I thought was interesting. The other yeah. thing I'll mention is uh, I stayed in a motel in Wyoming over the summer on my way up to South Dakota. And it was neat to stay in this hotel on a weeknight, Thursday night. And see, not necessarily wildland firefighters, but other people that were just workers, like these guys were, whatever type of work they did, staying in a random hotel in some random small town in Wyoming, all coming in for breakfast in the morning and then shuffling out real quick to go out to work. So it was kind of, you know, when you, you don't really do that. I mean, how many of us have stayed at a hotel in Wyoming on a Thursday night in some small town, right? Not too many of us. CDT through high. Yeah, CDT yeah. Through yeah. Right, here, right. Yeah. 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 When's the last time you did that, though? Right. It's, so it's it's yeah. neat. It's neat because you kind of you know that was last <laughs> summer. That was Labor Day. I was like, oh yeah, I saw those people when I was at that hotel on my way to go up to South Dakota. So yeah. it, it's there. That's life. That's you know it was, and, and it was interesting I, for that that aspect. What I can tell you about the reality of that is that typically. As a wildland firefighter, if you've got a hotel night, you're in between fires, you're traveling. Mm. Like when you're actually on the fire line, you're either you're either camping or there's a base camp that you come back to every night. Um, the fire, the wildland fire I got on near Fort Collins, they actually had a base camp set up near the university. So each day we <laughs> would go out and and work on our part of the fire, and then it, you know after our shift was over, we'd come back to this base camp in Fort Collins proper. And, like, we'd still tent camp, but we were in city limits. It was kind of, we were just kind of in a field. Uh, You know, I think the thing that I enjoyed about the film was uh, watching sort of these different characters. Because, you know, they had, like, the the young guys who were the best friends. And they, Uh 
you know, it kind of seemed like maybe they'd grown up a little bit sheltered environment and stuff. And, totally. uh, and for them, it was very much like a, a bit of a coming of age story. Um, but then for others, it was, it was kind of a different thing. You know, there was like the guy that he's just, just an old fellow that, you know, he'd gotten in some trouble and he's just, he just wanted the work. He just wanted to be working, you know? And so to see the different motivations that each of them brought to the position, those all sort of molded together into like at one point later in the film when they finally got out on a fire, you know, yeah, to watch them sort of congeal as a crew and and like come together and like all of the little things that you'd you know you'd seen them doing during the training portions, watching them kind of do those but like dressed up in their actual you know uh, field uniforms yeah. and everything and like and and being in the rhythm and doing it. I think that was kind of what I what I enjoyed the most about the film. And when they were actually on the fire at the end of the film, I think it was really interesting and fun and scary mm-hmm. to see just how close sketchy, oh, it gets yeah, real. How it... sketchy that really was and <laughs> who was in charge of that whole thing cuz it was just some other dude. Yeah. And he might have had more experience than all these people, but there was 15 lives in this one man's hand and he had a walkie-talkie and he was yeah. calling in to helicopters and planes and keeping an eye on the fires and it you know they had to retreat uh, if i recall i think they had to yeah. retreat and it was yeah. they were hoping to get the the planes or whatever it was to get everybody out of there i don't remember the exact details it was a couple of weeks ago but it was when that that last got scene real. that last scene yeah. just kind of made you realize that yeah. You know, there is a serious risk involved in this job, and the person who is responsible for all the lives of the crew, it's just that. It's just one person. Yeah, it's a crew boss. Yeah, and it's, just, it's just one person. And he's usually just like a couple years older. Yeah, or a little bit more experienced. Not <laughs> right. even necessarily older, right. but right. just had it like maybe he's done. he did this last summer, and now he or she did this last summer, and they're doing it again, you know? We got to wrap this up. Let's move but, it on. But I will say this: I thought there were a few parallels to long distance hiking in the film. The two young guys you guys spoke about, um, they were interviewing one of them. Is like, why do you want to do this? And the guy, the guy was just kind of like, you know, I want to feel sweat. I, I don't. Yeah, wanna I want to feel things. Yeah, he's like, yeah. I, I don't want to be numb. I want to feel alive. And I was like, that's a lot of the, you know, if you boil it down, that's a lot of the reason like people go and hike long long trails. Like they want to feel like. They're alive and doing something again. I want to feel the pain. Sure, the burning in your in your lungs and the uh-huh. you know and your your legs and the tight hamstrings. You know, a yeah. purpose. Charlie the hunger. Versus. Purpose. Yeah. And purpose. I, I I like the crew Part bosses. Of a culture. The smell of your you of your you. I like the crew boss's <laughs> quote. He said, "You take care of yourself. Take you. care of each other. And take care of business." <laughs> Man, I like that. That's that's for I'm real. I'm gonna start telling that to my kids. All right, the I'm film get that tattooed on me. The film is called <laughs> Wildland. You can uh, go to wildlandfilm.com to check out where you can go view the film. I think it's in theaters, select theaters right now. Yeah, we were stoked to watch it. Yeah. It was pretty cool. interesting. Excellent. We have to take a break. When we come back, we got we no, got the rest of the show. <laughs> we, we, oh my god. We've got Ask a Hiker. We've only got four gosh. more hours. Don't worry, folks. We got folks. mailbag. We can make another <laughs> three miles. We got ten stakes. We got. <laughs> Trail of the month, we got... No, we already did that. All right, we'll be back.
The Trail Show. Less gear, more beer. Trail Show is back, and we've got mailbag POD. All right. That was to wake you people up. It's my favorite part. Maybe, I don't know. We had a lot of mail this month. We always do. Dear Trail Show and Trail Show Nation, I just learned that the USFS reopened a section of the PCT in the San Jacinto Mountain Wilderness, which has been closed for years due to the 2013 mountain fire. This is an eight-mile stretch between the Spitler Trail Junction to Taquitz Peak, just south of Idlewild, California. Taquitz. Taquitz. The Forest Service has been slowly reopening up these segments, and this is the final piece needed to give PCTers a true through-hiking experience. Oh, don't worry. Something else will be closed. In the San Jacinto Mountains, one of the most breathtaking areas of the SoCal portion of the PCT, according to many hikers. I thought you and your listeners would like to know about this exciting development. They provides a link. It's PCT. It's on the PCT website. Sincerely, Michael H. P.S. Michael H. As a fellow, fellow attorney, this is for you out of order. What? what? I felt the need to CC your legal counsel so Triple O doesn't harass me for reaching out to his client without his knowledge. <laughs> if he has any objections, we can hash it out over some local San Diego County craft beers. PPS, I love the show. Excellent. I look forward to going to San Diego to drink these beers. Hash it out. All right. Uh, item number two. Hi, Trail Show. You folks have been there for me for over six years now, and I truly look forward to and enjoy all of the beer, trails, and nonsense you've brought me. I appreciate what you do and the information you provide. This is me giving a little bit back. I wish I could do more. I hope you enjoy the beers. This was accompanied by a donation, by the way. I appreciate you sending some uh, TTS swag, though I didn't expect anything in return. Whether you know it or not, you've all done a lot for me already. Thank you to the entire team for being so inspirational. Just so you know who to watch for, I have attached a photo of the pack llama named Lorenzo, who is delivering your beer today. Hey, now. His story is also attached for you to enjoy. Do you have a story? I don't. Oh, man. Seems like maybe it's coming another, with the beer when another the, when trail the llama show gets here. epic beer failure. Wow. Oh, oh man, no. Lorenzo the llama. But you know what? Maybe he drank all the beer. I bet, I maybe he say. sabotaged the Cajun Spices package. Could be. We'll, we'll give it's thank, all connected. We're all going to give a collective thanks and praise to Lorenzo the llama right now with a brief moment of silence. One, two, three. Okay, we're back. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'll take a picture of the letter and put it on. Yeah, let's the do Insties. It. Yeah. So or yeah, at least the llama. Yeah, th- okay. yeah, there was a picture of the llama, Lorenzo. Okay. Very good. Like De Lorenzo. No, rela- um, no relation. No relation. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, and we have uh, hi everyone. My name is Diana, and I am a Peace Corps volunteer in Ethiopia, which means that I teach ninth grade English to 120 lovely teenagers out here in rural Ethiopia. Wow. Internet Damn. is a two day trip away from my village, but when I do have internet, I download podcasts in binge. And yours is top of my list. That's cool. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. awesome, actually. Yeah. Cool. yeah. Too bad there's not something like that in Cuba. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that is too bad. The market where I usually buy my food is approximately 13 kilometers away from my village, and I get there on foot along a rocky, unpaved, mountainous road. I'm mm. not sure if it counts as hiking or as a trail, yes. but it usually takes me about two hours. Sometimes it's a bit slower, depending on the donkey traffic on the road, <laughs> but it's usually two hours. You know, what el- <laughs> you know what else is two hours? I hate it. Usually you. your podcast. <laughs> Although these days you can probably get there and back on the show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, this show, for sure. Yeah. 
So I don't have anything really exciting to say. I just wanted to give you a shout out and let you know that at 8 a.m. Ethiopia time, almost every Monday, there's someone walking 13 kilometers in the mountains of northern Ethiopia listening to the trail show. How cool is that? Yeah, that's awesome. that's really that is cool. pretty cool. Wow. Th- thanks for the laughs. Feel free to hit me up if you're ever in the neighborhood. So, yeah, northern Ethiopia. It's probably something in Swami's book in northern Ethiopia. Yeah, yeah. Well, th- there is some amazing stuff. I was actually looking at some uh, areas to travel in Ethiopia yeah. a couple of years ago, and I was like, there's some rad spaces here. Hmm. Uh, and then our last item, Ellie El Haber. El Haber. Wrote, thank you, Dilo, for my trail name. It is a great honor, and I will hike proudly with my new name. Cheers, Heli. 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 Awesome. Heli. Yep. That's fantastic. Yeah. All right, ah, Heli, Ellie. Is it time for Ask a Hiker? Oh, yeah. It is. I'm just going to do two questions tonight. Wait a minute. Which Don't we have five? No, nothing okay. I'm aware of. I thought we had like seven or eight. Is this the music we use? Sure. Yeah. For Ask a Hiker? I was going to do okay. two questions. Yeah. I thought because, there was going to be some uh, other music. Horns and trumpets. Because this has been going on forever. <laughs> <laughs> As Someone, it does. Someone's <laughs> dreaming of yard work tomorrow. As oh, it does. Man. Wait. Well, no. No. Dear Trail Show, question number one. I finished listening to episode 78B and wanted to share my appreciation for your round table of thankful thoughts and future goals. I especially like the comments regarding lifting up minority voices and sharing conservation efforts. I think more of those would be great. This email is part mailbag and part ask a hiker. I have a question for y'all. My partner and I will be in Yosemite this June, meeting up with our friend who was hiking the PCT and walking a few miles north with him. We've been debating which shoes would be the best to bring. Knowing that there will be likely a bunch of (laughs) snow and considering that we will be out for a week. So I'm reaching out to the TTS for some advice. Trail runners or waterproof boots. Keep up the excellent work of pushing trail care efforts. Updates with Her Odyssey and Moon Kid and all the other great segments. All the best. Shira Switch Lady. All right. Oh. So what? All good. What? What shoe? What shoe should you wear in the Sierra? There's going to be some snow. Trail runners I would probably or waterproof with, boots. I would go with trail runners and a pair of Gore-Tex or Seal Skin socks. Okay, that's what I would do. Pod, trail runners and some gaiters. D'Lo, tennis shoes, <laughs> <laughs> skate shoes, Fesh. Uh, yeah, I'd just wear some comfortable trail runners. Uh, your feet are just going to be wet. Accept it. What I would say is, is if you uh, if you can get shoes that are nice and sturdy and mm-hmm. you know will do the job, but have a fair bit of mesh in them so that they'll maybe dry faster, and don't have too much like extra padding areas in like the tongue and stuff like that, so that when they do get wet, they maybe will dry out a bit faster. Dila. So the problem with your waterproof boot, waterproof boots, is they're just going to go wet too, and they're going to weigh like ten times yeah. more than your trail runners. And boot. they're never going to dry. Yeah, out. yeah they're never going to dry. Yeah. So you just wear your water, your your trail runners. Yeah. And when you take a break, you take off your shoes, you take off your socks, you let your feet dry, you yeah. give them a break. You know, I tend to agree with Dilo, and because even though you're going to be in the Sierra in June, and you're thinking about snow, the reality is that you're going to be fording. Some waist high, very swift creeks that have turned into rivers. So even if your boots are waterproof, they're going they're, they're going into multiple feet of water. They're going to get completely soaked. 
trail runners. You know, salty. Yeah, trail yeah. runners with a lot of mesh, and then also making sure you have like a couple pairs of hiking socks and then dry yeah. sleeping socks. Yeah, yeah. dry sleeping socks yeah. are, cru- are, yes. are probably more crucial than the footwear you choose. Uh, yeah, Triple and dry up. sleeping socks that you never use for Ever. anything else. Yes. Even they if you have to put cold, in. wet, horrible yeah. socks back on and hike <laughs> yeah. for the rest of the day, yes. you do that rather than use your sleep socks. Yeah. yeah, I would go with trail runners too and, and to piggyback on Salty's about the socks. You can rotate them out throughout the day and keep drying the other yep. pairs of, yeah. your, of your walking socks. And that will keep that will dry out your shoes too as you go. True. Yeah. Um, the other thing I would recommend is putting about a 30-pound rock in your PCT hiker friend's backpack because they're going to be in really <laughs> good shape compared to you. True. So yeah. you want to slow them down. Also a good tip. <coughs> yeah. yeah. Question number two. Okay. I, I'm going to do three tr- Three questions tonight. Yes. The third yes. one's a good one. Yes. Question number two. Hey, Trail Show. I've recently discovered your podcast, and I feel like I've wasted so many years not hiking. I plan True. to do my first backpack trip this summer. My question, <laughs> is there a tent or backpack you'd recommend? Am I better off starting on the more economical side or splurge on higher-end products? Also, if there's a Wisconsin beer you all would like to try, let me know. All I'll of send them? send it to you. Best regards, Sammy Joe. Sammy, Sammy Joe. Joe. I want some cheese curds. We're going to answer. Yeah, I was going to say Sammy cheese Joe, curses. we're going to answer your question tonight, and you need to send us Wisconsin beer in exchange. You can <laughs> work out the details with POD That's at right. thetrailshow.com. Now, to answer your question. All good. All good. Maybe you want to step in here. Uh, I would highly recommend, if you're new, <laughs> a shameless plug here for Six Moon Designs, uh, to check out our Lunar Solo. Yeah. It's the perfect starter tent. It's 200 bucks. It weighs 26 ounces. It's got a full bathtub floor. One trekking bowl puts it up. It's a really good value for the money. If you even want to save some more money, we got a 40 ounce tent called the Skyscape Scout. It's 135 bucks. That's not I, bad. Not yeah, bad at all. No, f- two no floor on that 135 no, one? No, 135 has got a full bathtub floor, okay. two wow. vestibules, two doors. But two it, weighs, it weighs a little bit more. Yeah, it's made out yeah. of polyester material, but it's 135 bucks, and yeah. we have people who've done two to three through hikes with them. So I think that's a good point. Don't go out and blow all your money yeah. on a fancy tent because you just don't know what you're going to like. But it, yeah, 135 I, and what about you know, the, on, the fl- even, on the flip side of that? But even 200 bucks, I mean, our, our Lunar Solo yeah. could, could take... People on multiple three x three people do the triple crown with it, yeah. and it's two hundred bucks and weighs twenty six ounces. Yeah, yeah. I, I would also say don't don't be afraid if you've got the money. Like, don't be afraid to spend a little bit more money yeah. and not mm-hmm. just get something that's totally entry level. If it's something you think you're really going to be into, like it's probably okay to go ahead and like you know if you can spend one hundred and fifty rather than yeah. hundred bucks on on a, a pack. Like, don't don't be afraid to do that, but don't feel like you need to run out and get like the most high end things. Right. I, yeah. I would also say that you, you know you, you didn't mention this piece of gear in the question, but uh, I I actually think the sleeping bag is the first piece of gear that you should mm. buy. Uh, a lot of times you're going to be able to like borrow a backpack from maybe a friend, uh, or you can get by with something that's not necessarily a great one. Yeah. But if you're out there, I mean, even a tarp, for instance, like a cheap blue tarp, yeah. can work. You know, to keep you dry. But if you're out there and you're cold or you're uncomfortable. Uh, yeah. Overnight, you're you're not going to have a good time. So I do think sleeping bag is I, not a bad I, way. To I do go think for it depends on where you're backpacking, though, because exactly. if she's backpacking in the Midwest, I would say spend your money on a tent and a backpack yep. over a sleeping bag because it's warm there. It does not get cold in the summertime. In and the mosquitoes Midwest. Yeah. and yeah. bugs can be pretty right bad depending yeah. on the time of year you go. But good yeah, point. I mean, one thing I would say too is you know, as far as like a backpack goes, I wouldn't 
like freak out about trying to buy the lightest nah. frameless backpack yeah. you can get if you're new to backpacking. I mean, yeah. I think a lot of us in this room started long distance hiking earlier in life, and we had the benefit of carrying like heavy gear in the '90s or the early 2000s, right. and then you kind of learn as you go and gain skills to start going lighter and lighter. So, as a newcomer, don't be afraid to get a little bit heavier pack. I think too. Yeah. And then get real, real comfortable with setting it up before you go out there, especially when, if it's yes. your especially the tents. In yeah. fact, like go yeah. sleep in your yard, make sure everything yeah. works. Have or, your have your friend bring the leaf blower times. over and yeah. and have them just blast you with the leaf oh, blower while you're see how long your tent stands up. I, I also like think that. it's important to pack and unpack your backpack multiple times before you hit the trail yeah, because yeah, everything should go in the same place yep. every single time for safety reasons. If you ever have to yep. deploy your stuff quickly, then you know where everything is. So. Yeah. Don't show up to the trailhead not having ever used your stove, not having ever set up your tent, not right. having ever like. The only thing that you should never have done it. is press the red button on your spot. Yeah, yeah. Everything else should have been tested. Can yeah. I give one other suggestion? Sure. Don't wait until seven days before you're leaving for your trip to decide if you're going to order a pack or a <laughs> tent right. online to order it, especially if you want to get like your tent uh, seam sealed. Because yeah. this is what we run into. People are like. Hey, I just ordered a tent seam seal. When's it going to ship? I leave in a week. It's like, well, I don't know. You say, well, your poor planning is not my emergency. Uh, no, we usually jump through hoops to make it happen for people. But oh, yeah, God. the more time you can give us, the better. <laughs> All right. But they habits. also put voodoo hexes on those tents. Exactly. So, <laughs> Dilo, question number three. My dear friends of the trail show, I have been a long time listener, but never written to you because I don't really value your advice. <laughs> That's fair. I find your show to be entertaining, enjoyable, but not really all that informative. Except for Salty and Special, <laughs> these two bring an air of intellectualism to the show. Oh, we know wow. who wrote this. <laughs> wow. And sometimes POD. But Dilo, not so much. As the late Paul Magnanti would have said, Forget about it. <laughs> Please don't take this negatively. I do love your show, and I listen nearly every month, which brings me to my question. Wait, wait I just want to know that Disco and I were just left out of that uh, entirely. I feel more insulted than I wasn't insulted. <laughs> yeah. You make a podcast, but do you listen to other podcasts? And if so, what podcast do you listen to and why? When do you listen to them? When you're hiking? When you're cleaning, when you're commuting, I'd love for some of my favorite podcast makers to discuss their podcast listening. Oh, I love this. You see, I wanted to spur a discussion among you. I don't want to be told what type of tennis shoes I should hike through the desert in. You do hike in tennis shoes, don't you? Sincerely, A. Wolfram. Man, we had Wolf Moon and Wolfram. Yes. Oh. Crazy. I don't listen to that many podcasts, to be Disco. honest. Disco. Yeah. Over to you. You listen to podcasts. Yeah, I, I just, I just he wrote, does. I just wrote down four, and I'm going to give some non-hiking podcasts because, frankly, a lot of what I listen to is non-hiking podcasts. So I'm really into Snap Judgment. It's a great podcast. This American Life. It's been around forever because it's a great podcast. The Joe Rogan Experience. Really, he has really interesting great guests. I pick and choose. Mm -hmm. uh, Radio Lab. Uh huh. A really yeah, good podcast. One. And um, the Mike O'Mara show, which we modeled this podcast after. So you, you modeled the show after. That's true. No, the rest of us. Friday show. That okay, who else? Who, uh, who listens to? You know, I'm not a big podcast listener, but uh, a, a bit here and there. Uh, Zul and I listened to a lot of podcasts when we were on the road with with uh, Leave No Trace because you know you're in the Subaru for forever. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, I'm the same way though. The ones that I listen to typically don't have much to do with uh, hiking. hiking. Yeah. Um, 
We listened to one uh, called The Read, um, hmm. which is... Um, I second that. That's a really good question. Yeah, it's, it's Never basically... Never heard of it. It's like these, uh, these two um, uh, like gay, uh, lesbian um, friends from New York, uh, black folks, and they talk about like pop culture stuff, but then they'll also do like listener advice letters, and then they also do like the read and the read is like where they pick somebody who's done some dumb stuff or whatever. And they'll mm. just like chew them a new one. Really? Uh, yes. Yeah, so that, that, that's my favorite part of the show. Okay. Uh, although the listener letters can be pretty entertaining too. Cause people write in with some like messed up stuff that you're like, what? No. Huh? Uh, okay. Um, and then, uh, I listen to, I'll listen to like Tim Ferriss sometimes. Um, I'll listen to, uh, I have done Joe Rogan a few times. Um, but I'm more like sporadic. Uh, I don't usually like go all out on like one po- podcast. So yeah, uh, I do Freakonomics every so often. Yeah, uh, and then um, you mentioned uh, Radio Lab. Well, they did a spinoff one uh, that that was a limited run. Although I think they're they've done a second season of it. Um, I don't know whether they're going to do more of them, but it was uh, uh, more perfect, and it was yeah. about uh, the sure. Supreme, like various Supreme Court cases that were like really pivotal, pivotal for one reason or another. Um, so yeah, I get a kick out of those ones. But the ones that I li- listen to, yeah, they're they're pretty nerdy like that. Dilo, you're a prolific podcast. I am listener. a, pre- I what, am what a fairly got? prolific what podcast listener. Come on. I, I'm pretty I listen to kind of the same set of podcasts. I listen to Tim Ferriss a lot. I listen to Sam Harris. Yeah. 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 Sam Harris is a very intellectual, yeah. heady guy, very deep. Uh gets into some really deep kind of stuff and I like it. I like it. Um what else do I listen to? I listen to Freakonomics. And what the history one? What's that one? Uh, that oh, revisionist, um, history? revisionist history. Re- uh, Malcolm Gladwell's that. Malcolm yeah. Gladwell's revisionist history is so entertaining because yeah. Malcolm Gladwell is so angry. <laughs> you, wouldn't, <laughs> you wouldn't think, you know, that really? Malcolm Gladwell. For, you know, he his books Blink or whatever it was, yeah. and his, he's written so many books, and they're all good reads, and they're all real fast reads, and they're all very entertaining reads. But when you Malcolm Gladwell will 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 choose a particular political issue, a social issue, an economic issue, and he will just dissect it and just kind of... The whole theme is with revisionist history is how what you thought about history is completely wrong. Hmm. The best well, ex- it's, it's more about what was missed. It was what was yeah. missed. Yeah. And, and the best example uh, that I really liked recently was his talk about illegal immigration to the United States. And he talked about a general. And the fun, fun thing about revisionist history is, is that the title of each of these episodes kind of has very little to do to the casual observer with what the whole episode will be about. So he says, general so-and-so's mistake. And you're like, okay, who is that general? I don't know. And it turns out that the general in this particular episode, which is my favorite recent episode of revisionist history, was the guy in the 70s who said, we need to stop letting all these Mexicans and Central Americans coming into the United States and leaving the United States illegally so freely. We need to put an end to that. It's dangerous. And all of a sudden, what would happen was, instead of just coming up to the United States to work at the seasonal labor that none of the Americans wanted to do, and then going back to Mexico to enjoy the fruits of their labor... Hey, man, you're talking politics, yeah, dude. I, yeah, yeah, And this is, my, this is what Malcolm hey, Gladwell talks about, right? Right. And it's, this is the best one. And, and it's just like, instead of just letting that happen, which has been happening for decades, this particular general 
decided to clamp down on it, and now we have an immigration crisis. For because now later. they stay. Yeah, because now they stay. Because now they don't just come and go. They people want to come here work, and then they got families right. and every, and it's cheaper in Mexico. Yeah, so the money they make. You can make yeah. so much money in the United anyway. States. Yeah. Anyways, and that was beautiful. That was a beautiful episode. So those are kind of what yeah. I listened to. The other question that our our um, the, was asked to us is, where do you listen to them? Wait, out of order. I didn't get to say well, his I'm, podcast. I, I'm going to be done. Okay. I'm, I'm just going to be done. Because there was two I, questions. It wasn't just... Like, what do you mean, where? Yeah, it wasn't just, what do you listen to, but oh, where do when? you listen to? When are you listening? When do you listen to oh, it? Okay. Do you listen to it when you're driving, when, when you're, you're walking, land- when you're hiking, when you're landscaping? Yeah, I listen to it when I'm cleaning my house. Yeah. Um, washing dishes, you know, cleaning up, sweeping, that type of cool. stuff. Well, Thanks yeah. for decline, defining yeah. cleaning. I wasn't sure what that meant. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> like to clean and listen to podcasts and eat, you know, five milligrams. <laughs> five, I like ten. <laughs> yeah. I only listen to podcasts when I'm doing trail maintenance. And really? I oh, that's cool. To hundreds of revisionist history this past summer. Really? I like to I like to lift weights and listen to podcasts too. Man, I listen. Mm. I listen during my lunch break. I listen when I'm exercising. Yep. I definitely listen when I'm trail running. And sometimes I listen when I'm hiking, sometimes more than I probably should. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Triple O. Um, all right. So here's a couple of ones that I like. Uh, Planet Money is a really good economics yeah. podcast with usually quirky stories. Uh, if you want to keep up on big environmental news, Living on Earth is a good, a good environmental news kind of podcast. Um, Code Switch is a great oh, podcast yeah. Yeah. Uh, on NPR. Ninety nine percent invisible is about design, but it's it's really interesting. It's about the design of things in your world. Um, Savage Lovecast is a great relationship. Mm, yeah, man. Podcast, yeah. You, like seriously, it will it will really help you uh, be a better partner. De- definitely ditto, and it's way entertaining. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, if you want a good comedy podcast, Two Dub Queens is a great comedy podcast. And and there's this hiking podcast with these crazy people called The Trail Show. This yeah, it's really good. I usually listen to that wow. every once in a while. You can usually get a good nine, ten miles out of a show. <laughs> 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 what was the uh, environmental one? Living with living on Earth. Living on Earth. Pod. I already said mine. You already said you're salty. salty. So several of the ones that were already mentioned, like Revisionist History, Joe Rogan, um, Tim Ferriss, occasionally. I I listened to quite a quite a bit. Um, Let's see. And I go through different phases. There's one called On Being with Krista Tippett. It's on, it's like different aspects of um, like spirituality and just like what it is to be human. She'll interview a lot of like poets um, and different people and like um, different activists, authors, things like that. I, it's, I always enjoy that one. Um, a lot of health podcasts, of course. Ben Greenfield Fitness, High Intensity Health. Do you have some podcasts listed on your website? I don't, but I will. You should. Yeah. 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 I should make a list. Yeah. Right now in health, I'm listening to a lot of Ben Greenfield Fitness and also um, Revolution Health Radio, which is um, by a doctor called Chris Kresser, a functional medicine practitioner. That's really good. Oh, and then sometimes I listen to this quote of the day show, which is like really corny, but it's like just this like dose Mm. of positive energy into your day. Oh, cool. Nice. Yeah. All good. I listen to the Outlandish podcast a lot. Yeah. You know, I haven't. That's a pretty good Isn't podcast. Isn't that done by the U.S. Forest Service? Yeah, and um, the Salmon River Conservancy. Okay. And I met the two of them last year at a Public Land Alliance show when I was selling hats. And um, it's pretty cool. They kind of explore the history of our public lands and kind of modern issues with public lands. And as trail show listeners, the episodes are short. They're like 30 to 40 minutes max. Hmm. So it's a nice little short one to digest. Yeah. Um, that's different. 
Yeah, exactly. And the other one I, I really like is Tom Rhodes' uh, Radio Smart Camp. He's a comedian. He travels the world. Huh. He reads a lot. He's kind of self-taught. And uh, yeah, it's a pretty good, interesting way to view the world through the comedian's eye. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I should actually add one, one more. Uh, it's called The Adventure Zone. Um, the Adventure it, Zone. And it's actually a uh, a... Dungeons and Dragon role playing <laughs> podcast. Oh, critical no. hit! Wow, it's these three brothers and their dad, and the dad is kind of a goober, but like, yeah. And in any case, no, yes, no. it's pretty entertaining. Actually, it's good storytelling and it's funny. Okay. All right, and how did how did we forget Serial and S Town? Come on, people. Oh. S Town, S Town is fantastic. Oh my god, Incredible. it's just like seven episodes, but it's so good. It's yeah. so good. It's so good. It's Serial. Pick your season. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, whatever. All right. I've never listened to that one at all. What? Listen to S Town. Come on, Listen man. To S Town's incredible. You've deprived so yourself. Why? It's I what it I also listen to a lot of comedy, though. Yeah, so sure. Sure. Yeah. You know. S Town yeah. is not funny. <clears throat> it's, there's some funny parts. It's right. some funny parts, uh, but it's not funny. P.O.D., did we have any donors this month? We did. We got some monthly donors. We got uh, Bernard Wolf. Hey. Hey. Oh. Russ, not Fusskinder. Don't worry about Kinder. it. Craig Pisco Gully. What a guy. Hey. What a guy. Chris Smith. Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> so mad. Bobby Walters. The. the. Bobby Walters. That's right. Richard Glasgow. Rich. And Joshua Bow Down to Ja Bowden. Yeah! Rastafari. Di- Diane Pinkers. Sorry, sorry for yelling in the microphone. Yeah. Diane. I ended this four-hour episode. <laughs> David Vitti. Hey, Dave. What a guy. Justin Quality Knowles. So quality. Who I'm going to be seeing here in a couple weeks. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Jason Lurch, not Church Dean. The Baptist. No, Jesus. No Ingrid Lurch. Gerard. <laughs> uh, Vermont. Samuel Emery. The board. the board. Rudy from Cascade Hiker Pipe. Hi, Rudy. Hey, Rudy. Another good podcast. Uh, Jeffrey Cottonmouth Caldwell. Uh huh. Buddy Sessoms, not Sessions. Not Buddy Sessions. He's going to be out here this summer back in Colorado, Buddy. by the way. Uh, Pat the Bouncer Dixon. Axel. Good old Axel. Yeah. Stephen the Hustler Russell. Get after it. Ammon the Brute. Bruce. Brute, send us some clips, man. Send us some yeah. clips. Tre- we, lo- we love your stuff. Trevor, smoke it if you got it. The bowl, man. <laughs> Load it up. Renee Shira Patrick. Oh, hi. Onda. Get on the trail. Onda. Okay, Onda. 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 Sorry. Wesley the Haggis <laughs> Addict Greenwood. I need my haggis. I just need it so bad. <laughs> Kevin Chickpea Cross and Sasha Honeydew Codet. Uh, not Tim Tebow Williams. Thank you so much for oh, the beer. Man, the Virginia beers you sent are so gone, good. but not forgotten. That's right. Tommy the Meat Popsicle <laughs> Steven. Slurping <laughs> it up. Oh, that guy. Joseph Picarara. Hey. Oh. Brandon Lost Balls Love Lady. <laughs> oh, God, where'd they go? You gotta find them. <laughs> Daniel Fundip Sharps. You guys have got to stick your stuff in here. It's so fun. <laughs> Shira the Switchblady. That's a great name. And Switch. Brian the Big McNamara. Hey now. Oh man, page two. Page Let's two. Go. James the Cajun Spice Myers. The best Hot. Spice. Uh, oh, God. Collective sigh for the damage package. 
Sean Weedman. Weedman. Got any weed, weed man. man. Oh, no, That's mind. his real name. I th- I it, I is. it is. That's his real name. Weedman. Yeah. Patty Cake Metascala. Mezcal. Yeah, Mezcal. <laughs> Phil Gilbert. Kill Bill Cottrell. Kill Bill. <laughs> uh, that's a good one. <laughs> what? That's yep. also his real name. That's his real name. <laughs> yeah. His first name's Kill. His yeah. middle name's Bill. And then Cottrell. <laughs> yep. Totally. Uh, okay, we got our one-offs. We've got Tony the Van Morris. Down by the river. Stephen Hood. Uh, Stephen Robin Hood. Uh, Richard. <laughs> there we go. That was Richard, good. don't get on the boat, Triple Pepper Baker. Nice. Wait a minute. What? Whoa, what don't get on the boat. What's I don't going know. on there? No, that is not. I don't, don't know what that was. Don't get on the boat, Triple Pepper. What? That's I don't know. I don't know. That's a long Does that name. mean don't get on the boat that's named Triple Pepper? <laughs> or is I that like so. a, a directive? I think at, you Triple Pepper aimed at a person named Triple Pepper. I think it's a reference to Richard Parker, which we've talked about on the show before, but we're not talking about tonight. Tessa Scratch McGee. Scratch. Clay Woodward Jacobson. Hey, Clay. Hey, Clay. Idaho. Idaho. Idaho all the way. You got to give us some thanks and praise for what just showed up in your mailbox. That's right. Daniel One Eye Brian. I don't know. Let's just move on. So many questions. (laughs) So many comments. Uh, and then we've got our, our beer donors. So huge apology to Stephen Goodrich again for last really two months of snafus because that show lasted two months. Oops, <laughs> that was a long show. Those beers uh-huh. were so good. Too. It was a two month show. I know the the the, the fifty fifties like were amazing. Tonight's yeah, show might were. be a two month show too. <laughs> yeah, Except for right. recording again, Marshall. Anyway, uh, we got uh, the the damage package from Cajun Spice, but we appreciate the sentiment and the effort. Yeah. Uh, Dan hugely, and huge. Not Tim Tebow. Tebow. And then Tebow. Wait, wait. We have mandatory union breaks. Also, we have a birthday. Dwayne the dog Chapman has a birthday coming up. Happy oh. birthday! So, by the way, wait. does anybody in this room other than me know who Dog is? Dog the, the bounty, bounty hunter. hunter? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I put that in there. It is I, his birthday today. It's February. Hey, there you nobody, go. Nobody February cares. What, you what do you mean? Nobody cares. Disco, I, I lived in Honolulu for a while. Oh, and, and did you, know. you have a mullet? I I did not have a mullet, but I did one. have to go down to the courthouse <laughs> one day uh, for I think a, I think I got a speeding ticket. Um, and dogs, like son, was down there. Little I, dog, of yeah, course. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> it took all I had not to not to start like going. <laughs> Come on, man! By the way, it was, it was yeah. Dog the Bounty Hunter is the best on trail TV programming you could ever hope to look at in a hotel room in Rollins, Wyoming. Oh, I would agree with that. Saying, I would agree man. with that. Yeah, just saying. Okay. Anyway, that's it. Wow! Finally. So wait, that was a long. That was like the longest segment. Sorry, is the show done? <laughs> no, that's it. We, we have Bye a, guys. We have a right, later. Oh. iTunes top five. No, we have a. <laughs> <laughs> Do we? Get reviewed. Does someone have a tent stick? Oh. We've got. Yeah, we've all got a new tent stick. No, yeah, yeah, but we right haven't here. used no, it. No, no, you can't review what you haven't yeah. used yet. I can yeah. tell you that I, I already know I'm going to like it because it has the same form factor uh, as like the, a lot of those V ones. Oh, good. I bet you've. But then it's got the thumb. I have. But we're doing alternate uses for tent sticks. Yeah, I think you got your own segment. I look forward to hearing what your thoughts are. Okay. okay. But okay. I've used right. them. They're good. Do we have an alternate use for a tent stake tonight? No. Hmm. Come on. Uh, why? Back scratch? So if you're, if you're stuck on top of a yeah, high ridge that- line and you need to get down and the only way to get down is a high, uh, high voltage line, 
<laughs> um, you can take your tent stake and just put it over the line. And zip hold line on down. to and it die. And, just, and just zip and line all the way down. <laughs> I will. I will. Take it to the first uh, now, this will work better if you've got two of the shepherd's hook ones, because then you can just, you know, hook right. onto that line and just zoop, down you go. But when you get to that first tower, don't let your feet touch the tower until you have <laughs> let go of the tent stick. That's yeah, right. right. Ideally, you would like to let go and fall into a large balloon at the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> I will say that those, those uh, the, the curved ones, what are those called? Shepherd's hooks? No, but those weren't shepherd's hooks. Oh, no. I don't know what we call ours. We just call them tent stakes. Okay, well, those ones would be <laughs> good back scratcher, scratchers. Oh, yeah. Ooh, because oh, they're yeah. they're rounded, so they're yeah. not going to, like, you know, gouge. Yeah. They would be nice. Do we, do I under, what, can you explain the difference between the long one with the hole and the other? Yeah, well, that's a nail a stake. One with a hole. That's a nail stake. And <laughs> yeah. that, that stake can take a lot stake? more tension. So I would okay. recommend putting it on your door opening. Right, right. Which is probably going to have the most amount of tension on like a single entry tent. Right. And then the other ones are for your corners because they don't okay. get as much tension. Got okay. it. Okay. Thanks, man. Yeah, no Trail problem. tip of the month right there. Duly noted. <laughs> Our tent stake review. I think that was common Gear sense review, of the month. review, like whatever it is, man. There it was. All right. Oh, there it is. Right, there there it is. Wait, we're, we're done already? Wait, already? <laughs> is it really hard? We've only been recording for five hours and 45 Sweet. minutes. Time Let us know how Bonita. far you hiked during this. I think Mooncid ran an or entire ran, country yeah. during <laughs> this trail show. <laughs> ran like 60 kilometers during <laughs> this trail show. It's going to take a long time to edit the show. Good luck. Just saying. Okay. Uh, thanks to everyone for tuning in today. Big thanks goes to All Good and Salty for talking to us about their hike of the Oregon Desert Trail. Yeah. Yeah. Pleasure. Thanks for Thank having you. us. Big thanks goes to Renee Shira Patrick for speaking on her work with the Oregon Natural Desert Association, better known as Onda. Onda. Get, Get on, on the, the trail. trail. Hashtag. Thanks goes to Cam Swami Honan for Skyping with us tonight all the way from Australia about his new book, The Hidden Tracks. We're not worthy. Crack of Fosters. Big thanks. <laughs> Big thanks for tonight's beer goes to Tebow and Daniel Hugely. Tebow! Hugely. We want to thank our show sponsor this evening, which is Six Moon Designs, POD. Yes. POD. <laughs> POD. Come back to me on that. Okay. Uh, thanks and praise to all our monthly PayPal donors. Get yourself a koozie and some new ice-cold trail show stickers for a $15 or more donation at thetrailshow.com. Tonight's show is brought to you by Six Moon Designs. Beauty. <clears throat> yes, tonight's show was brought to you by Six Moon Designs. Remember, there's a uh, gear giveaway happening. Out of order, can you tell us the four tenants of the <laughs> gear giveaway? <laughs> you must follow Six Moon Designs. Follow the trail show on Instagram, and then you have to tag your friends in the picture about the contest. You have to tag at least two friends. All that's right, it. that's it. So that's just three. Yeah, we, we yeah. skipped the yeah. find the picture yeah, the before fourth you. Yeah. So you don't need to know about. That. Founded in 2002, <laughs> Six Moon Designs offers a wide variety of shelters and packs to help enhance your outdoor pursuits for both beginners and advanced folks. Based in Beaverton, Oregon, Six Moon Designs founder Ron Moak has been the company's chief designer creating unique items like the Gatewood Cape that is a viable poncho cape and full protection shelter when used at night. With a philosophy that gear should be light in weight, high quality and affordable Six Moon Designs uses this as their three main principles as they develop and test their gear in the mountains 
and desert of the great Pacific Northwest. With a staff of thru-hikers, such as Allgood, on hand, True. ready to help answer your questions, Six Moon Design strives to help you get outside more and explore the world around you. To see their full line of gear, go to www.sixmoondesigns.com. Six Moon Designs, go wild, live young. Yeah, Woo. you can always find us at thetrailshow.com. We're on Twitter at Trail Show and Instagram and Facebook at The Trail Show. We're on the Stitcher app, the Apple Podcast app, Google Play, and of course on iTunes. Another Trail Show is coming gone, but don't fret. We'll see you in March with more beers, trails, and nonsense. Until then, for the Princess of Darkness, D'Lo, Special 41, Out of Order, Salty and All Good, I'm Enzo. Disco, Enzul, Enzul, and Biggie. Ciao. Woo! All right. And big thanks to John Carr dot photography for the photo shoot that we did earlier. Blue sponge. Blue sponge. It's gonna be good. Ooh, we should have had a blue sponge in our photo Ooh. shoot. Oh, oh. I didn't. Is Next it, I time. Just want one too late for everybody. Probably. <laughs> we should go home. I mean, do we even have a blue sponge? No. I mean, if we did, it might not even be the right blue sponge. That's true. Dude, we could all just come with blue sponges. And, I mean, there might be yellow ones, but it's not blue. Yeah, but you can't use yellow ones because they just no. get dirty. All right, let's get the hell out of here. Yeah, let's go. Yeah. You don't want a yellow sponge. Like, you pull up at the light, you're like, look at that POS. And then they just burn on out. I mean, that's my lot, so it's okay. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. What was your longest water carry? 47 miles. You can't go up there. Not even the cows go up there. I have been a long-time listener, but never written to you because I don't really value your advice. I had some some diarrheas, basically. But Dilo, to your point, I think it is possible for us to do shorter shows. I just think we never do that. Oh, yeah. oh, I know. So, I I just really like.